It's Tuesday, May 17th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear there at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family is still in the midst of a BOGO extravaganza. Giza Dream Elegance Pillows, six-piece towel sets, even Giza Dream Sheets. Buy one, get one free. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website, and when you enter promo code steak at checkout, you'll get big, big savings. Some items up to 66% off, some items a free gift, some items free shipping, and some items buy one, get one free. Head to the website, crank in that promo code steak, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related, the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming... Potting. Come on and jump on it. Get those, get those ears taken care of and done upright at odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. If you're out of state or into the tradesies, he's a licensed FFL. He's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Mike's on Facebook Messenger. You can hit him up via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs to blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. Happy Police Week to all our men and women who are serving across the nation. Our first responders are usually wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. You can find them at MediocreMedic.com. Visit the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the zero fuck stuck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him down at Dumpbox.us. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. And on that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, 
from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now we're verified on True Social. Dang! Welcome. Tuesday edition Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 135. I'm Roan. Noah's here. What's up? Antoinette's joined us. Hello, hello. Guys, we got an absolute banger coming in hot from last Friday's show. We're going to sit down with none other than Vish Burra. We're going to talk to NJ4's Republican candidate, Mike Crispy. We're going to have the nominee in Ohio 9, J.R. Majewski, joining us. And we're going to talk to Cynthia Hughes of the uh, Patriot Project. All right, jumping in with us first today on the show. Uh, he's a lot of things and done even more. But to us, he's kind of like the Tony Stark of all things MAGA politics. He's one of our great friends and coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Fish Burr, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure to join you guys on uh, Steak for Steak for Podcast, Breakfast for Steak. I don't know what it is, but well, it's always fun. It depends on what social media gets nuked that week and what I have to change the name to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is based. He's yeah. Doing it. Uh, true story. Thankfully, we've been uh, doing okay on True Social. We got verified last week when we had Cash Patel on. That was a pretty fun show as usual. We can't say that uh, anytime he's on is boring. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he invited us to Bedminster this summer. We'll we'll see what happens, as, as 45 says, to uh, do a show there. So his campaign manager was like, texting me live on the show saying like we hate when he does that but he usually delivers so when he tells you it's time it's time uh so that's pretty exciting so we'll just have to see what happens and uh but you've been busy yourself sir how's everything going with you and what have you been having uh go on in your life well as of recent i'm i've been looking uh i've been looking around to to kind of uh uh, shore up some some needs in, in terms of the movement whether it's and i'm trying to kind of focus my my uh, efforts um, in Florida, uh, but you know, I, I, as of recent, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just kind of on the on the market looking to do some something for the movement that's that's cutting edge and legendary as usual. You know, that's 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 what what I've always tried to aim to do, and um, I'm I'm looking. You know, I can always I can always work out and and, and do stuff in New York. Um, that's never an issue. But uh, doing stuff in like uh, in Florida is really my my aim, and so uh, whether that's podcast work, um, political work, you know, I'm, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely keeping my ears open and my eyes open for for interesting opportunities, and not not just your run of the mill stuff. No, it makes a whole lot of sense. You've you've been part of a, a couple really big projects that you've executively produced for in the past. Uh, two major podcasts, to say the least. Some of the biggest influential ones, uh, I would say, even more. And uh, it's got to be pretty exciting to anybody listening who's in the podcast game or looking to uh, maybe you know get their brand going a little bit harder. That uh, you know you're kind of pseudo on the market and, and looking for a new project that's something that uh, tickles your fancy a little bit that you want to uh, turn into the next big Vishbur project. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it, it, the thing is, is we have to do we have to do things big, and you know, we we gotta we gotta really get out there and and do some cutting edge stuff. You know, people, I think people don't really appreciate that normal people understand what what good products are, and uh, when you don't put put in the effort into when you produce a product or you know putting the work and the research and and the 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 technology and the capabilities behind it, you know, your people recognize that. And when they see that, they think that they're they're that you are not interested in investing in their, in their experience, you know? And so that is, um, that is something that, you know, I, I want to work with people who, who can definitely understand that angle 
of of um, of the game of content creation. You know, uh, especially yeah, podcasting is the new wave, and we just call it podcasting, but it's really you know the the this unstructured format of show. You know, whether it's streaming, whether it's video, um, it's just you know the the format it goes with the personality. You know, and I, I honestly like you know you guys do a great job um, of being able to get guests and multiple guests um, of high quality uh, to you know to your audience, you know, on, practically on a daily basis. You know, that's you know that's practically war room status. And I remember how hard it is to go and run around and and get those guests and schedule them, make sure everybody shows up on time and. And all that. So, you know, you guys are doing great work and, and, you know, you're definitely setting now, now you're, now you're setting a model and an example. So, you know, steak for breakfast, better, you know, better start um, uh, getting their, their P's and Q's together because people are watching and they want to know, they, they see you guys do it and, you know, they're going to go out and do it themselves. Yeah, that's a thread I want to kind of stay in a minute. I mean, between, you know, the Firebrand podcast and, of course, War Room, you have all those big, like, in the political realm, you you, you could say it or not because, you know, they're, they're our friends and stuff, but you've got celebrity mentalities between all the, you know, people who were on those shows, uh, just every kind of flavor from the political spectrum. And then when you talk about all the logistics, like, executive producing is no joke. Uh, we don't have one on this show. Hmm. We, we kind of all pitch in the best we can. Uh, but to be able to— It's mostly wrong. <laughs> but it's what bitch just let our listening audience know to be able to put on a show multiple times a week with any kind of relevant guest and then stay in the news cycle when the job that you're doing is like let's just say your show like we all have day jobs we all have families as well how hard of a you know load is that to carry when you're trying to uh put out something that's you know relevant and fresh and you know something that people want to listen to well, you know, the, 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 the thing with, with content creation and especially with like show production, right? Like I'll take, I'll put out my experience in war room and what, you know, at the war room, we had, you know, two hours of broadcast, each segment's 15 minutes, you know, you have eight possible segments and that's when we were just doing the morning shows. Forget, you know, after the election started doing the evening shows too. Now you have 16 segments a day you have to produce live, Right. And Steve is a madman where he would try to squeeze 16 guests into a day, right? And so now you got to go and secure like 16 of them. You know, of course, yeah, you, you might get lucky with a few repeats, you know, but um, you, you get that to do that, you know, opening contact with 16 different people, nailing down when they're going to go on the show. And then you have to kind of, and if when you're doing it live, you have to think about the way they're coming on to and how that show flows and how it's structured. And, um, you know, that's something you have to coordinate with your host, Steve, or, you know, like, what do they want to do? Uh, how are they feeling? What do they want to talk about? How do they want to talk about it? And, uh, you know, nailing all, you know, get doing that and doing that every day. Uh, you know, you have to understand about, about media, especially live media. You have to make your mark. Yeah have to hit your mark if you do not hit your mark it's a failure total failure right there's what you don't so, so if you do not make it it's done you might as well just just you know go home uh, a, a lot of other businesses are not necessarily like that you know you can come back and and 
try to find ways to fix things and all that. And of course, in the media, there's ways to to try to, you know, fix mistakes and, and that too. But uh, this industry and this business um, really requires you to hit your mark. And so as much preparation as you can put into that behind it is what's necessary. And that's why you have the executive producer and, and a person who produces, who has an eye, an, an eye for just what's necessary and everything that has to be in place before your mark comes. Because when, when the mark comes, everything must go, you know, exactly the way you need it to go. Otherwise it is, you know, and whether, you know, you work with high level guys like, like Steve or, or, or Matt Gates, you know, Bannon um, and, 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 and these guys, they will consider it a failure if you, if you don't make your, hit your mark. So when you're kind of in that high level, high intensity environment, that you know that's it's super important and you guys are consistently doing that as well showing that you're able to hit your marks as well so that's you know it's it's so important because that's that's how your audience knows whether you're working hard or not right is if you're able to come and and do it consistently in a reliable dependable way right and so that's the uh that's the challenge and when they when you do that, they see that back. They respond with loyalty as well. Sure. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I give a lot of credit to our team as a whole. Like, they always try to push, you know, stuff in other directions as far as what makes this work. But it's it's the three of us, our chemistry, and what we do over the course of the week that transpires into those, you know, anywhere between five and seven hours of, of podcasting that our listenership gets a week. And uh, it's a gauntlet every week. Like it's, it's pretty cutthroat too. Like, you know, getting those, you send out those emails, you got that whole lineup secured up. And then like day of show people's like, Oh, I read uh, your Pacific time. I read East coast time. Not going to be able to happen today. Okay. Well, you're the guest I really wanted on out of four. We, we teased you guys on social media. Now I got to go back and kind of clean that up or like got a call from another show. I'm going to jump on Fox news. I'm going to jump on Bannon's war room at the same time. Yeah. We got it, bumped a couple times like that. Yeah. And you know, it just happens, but you have to kind of, you know, roll with the punches and uh, just know that like you do the best show you can that day. You try to get a little bit more of like content between the three of us in than maybe guest content. And then when the guests that are on scheduled, you get more out of them and you probably would have tried to push out of them before they came on because you're just trying to get them in and out. And then you add something like, listen, we got the Mr. Garrison button. That's been like our trademark. Like people <laughs> still tag us on social medias on that and we can make just about all of our guests laugh with it. So wait, love that. Yeah, no, you, I mean, the more, the more, the more interactive you can make it, you oh. know, the more trademarks. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. No, it's, it's just no. It, that well, that that's the thing, right? Like you know, the 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 idea of the consistency at the end of the day is to breed familiarity, right? And like your 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 audience wants to know your host and and vice versa. And the more you could get, you could close that gap. You know, the the more brand loyalty and the more loyalty between your listeners and, and, and the hosts you have. And, you know, every which way you can try to foster that is what's what's very, you know, is like the the goal that should be the goal. Um, and, and uh, you know, there's diff- it's 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 a in the Internet age like this is just another form of com- community organization. Yeah. You know, And so. Um, everywhere that you can kind of grab your audience, create these pockets of communities and influence, we should be doing it. Right. Um, You know, uh, there's the example of being able to do that 
in, with War Room, with the you know the MAGA movement, you know in America worldwide, uh, whether it's with the club that you know back in New York, and that's you know with that's more of like a on the ground kind of community organization kind of thing that you know that influences that that you know, part of New York and more right. Um, and then, um, you know, Firebrand, you know, it was, is very influential on the house leadership. You know, they listened to that because they, you know, the ability for, of Matt Gates to make more news with his podcast than like, you know, the, some of the speakers statements or some folks in the house leadership statements or whatever they put out, you know, they need to be able to know. At the very least, they need to know what he said because it has the ability to pop, right? And so they had they now have to listen to it every morning, <laughs> whether that's community organization in a positive or negative sense. You know, let's let we can have a de- debate about that, but you know that now you know the the house um, conference very definitely l- listens to the show, and you know whether that's you know fifty to seventy people. Um, or that's 70,000 people, you know, there's a, you know, the caliber of audience is also a, a, um, thing to kind of judge and and see, you know, how much influence that you actually have. Right. You can have a room with like, you know, 10,000 like high school kids, yep. right? How much influence can they really have though? You know, maybe you have to wait a year before they can even vote. But if you have, you know, 300 change makers, like, you know, uh, people in Congress or, you know, elected officials or bureaucrats or something like that, you know, there's a different level of influence and power that's available in that room that can be manipulated the size of the audience doesn't necessarily determine the influence as well. You know, it's, you're almost an apples and oranges kind of situation, but um, whatever the path to influence is and your ability to organize it, people in the movement should be doing it. That's kind of the point, whether it's on the ground, whether it's with a show, whether it's with a club, whether it's with a campaign, you know, um, whatever, any, organizing principle that you see can benefit the community around you and that you're able to actually organize, you should do it. Yeah, no, that makes a whole lot of sense. And it's like a two way street. It could either be the house members listening in fear of what Matt Gates is going to say, isn't going to get to the ears of their constituents. Or if they refuse to listen, it could be like Matt Gates's words are going to get to the constituents. And then they're going to want to know why their house reps aren't, aren't kind of dialed into the tune of uh, what, what the things are really important going on in this country right now, which Matt has been at the forefront of, you know, for, for, for over the last year, his, his growth and uh, maturity has just been absolutely uh, incredible to watch. We feature and highlighted a lot on this show. And you talked about changing up the methods of uh, travel. You experienced a little bit of that uh, recently. You were in Ohio, uh, you know, barnstorming with J.D. Vance on the back end of that campaign, and uh, which massive success there. How was being, like, right at the forefront of something like uh, that big America First movement in Ohio for you when you were out there? Man, I love Ohio. It wasn't the first time I was there either. Um, I was there last year uh, with Matt when he spoke at a Strongsville GOP event. I think Candace Owens was there as well. Um, but he had a ton. He had a, spoke to a packed room then. 
we came back uh, this year, um, you know, uh, I think the weekend before the primary in Ohio. We started out in Cleveland. I love Cleveland. Great city. Uh, uh, you know, I highly recommend, uh, you know, very, very charming city. Uh, and I love the women in, in, in Cleveland, by the way, shout out. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, nice. but Cleveland, uh, we started in Cleveland, um, and, uh, from Cleveland, we made our way to the first stop, um, which was like a small, like community center. It was like eight 30 in the morning. Um, so, and you know, JD Vance had a crowd of like 60 people there, you know, to 60 or 75 people there at eight 30 in the morning at a community center in some random part of Ohio. Right. That's pretty impressive. Um, and then we went to the trout club. Uh, and I think that's in Westchester or Newark. I might be mixing them up, but that's like kind of in the middle of the state. Uh, and that was a beautiful venue. And then that was a much, you know, much larger crowd, you know, over a hundred people there. And then we made our way all the way down to Lori's Roadhouse. And I think that, you know, that's again, either Newark or Westchester, that's a little outside of Cincinnati. So, you know, one end of the state, you know, at Cleveland, we started. And at the end of the day, we were at the other end of the state, you know, by Cincinnati. Uh, and, and, uh, that was a massive event, the Lori's Roadhouse event. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and that, um, and the venue was excellent. Uh, and that, that was just, you know, phenomenal. Matt did a great job, of course, as he always does just, you know, kind of riling up the troops and reminding them like, you know, what the best of this movement could look like when it's organized, you know? Um, and so that, uh, and that, it's a, it's a critical component and, you know, with, with Matt there, Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of our favorites, right. She was there as well uh jd's great you know really cerebral guy like you need you need um you need brains in the in in the congress i just i mean there's no there's no better way to say you need intellectual underpinnings of like of of where the movement needs to be and who we're fighting for you know and a, a deep understanding of that and that's what jd vance provides right that's just his strategic offering to the Senate. Um, and he can have a really, really important role as, um, you know, the Senator from Ohio. Uh, if he, uh, if he embraces that, you know, he can, he can be the brains and the bronze of the movement, you know, if done, if, if done right. And I think that he has the best shot at that. Um, Trump had faith in him and endorsed him. Um, probably saw some part of that as well. I saw it up close and personal and, you know, he's, nobody argues that he's neither brilliant nor smart. Nobody, nobody argues that point. He is brilliant. He's smart. Um, but you know, now it's all about performing when you have the power in your hands. Right. So he's going to have to go win the election in the general. And I think that the, uh, people of Ohio, very hardy, very strong, uh, very strong Americans and, and, uh, you know, Trump, um, amongst the working class vote i mean if you take out all the fraudulent votes in the 2020 election you know you're talking i think trump won that state almost like ohio like plus 11 yeah uh you know so i don't even consider ohio swing state anymore so uh i i am very confident in the jd vance victory um i wish him all you know i i hope to see him in the senate and i hope he fills that role as like 
the 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 brains and bronze face of the movement uh, for the long run because that's you know that's again a role that we need played you know. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you there. I don't think the state of Ohio is a, is a swing state or even a battleground one. I think it's always been one of the top bellwether ones, maybe bellwether number one. And if any indication of the outcome there is is the pulse of the nation right now, which I definitely think it is, I don't think there's a big disconnect there. We should look to uh, have a, a lot more good primaries leading into the general election in November, which is the thread I want to kind of stay in. We've got some big ones today. Uh North Carolina, Kentucky, Oregon, Idaho, and then, of course, Pennsylvania is what I want to talk about with you. That has been one of the most controversial picks, endorsements, states, uh, you name it, since 2020. And and here we are on primary election day. What's your feelings, just looking from the outside in, of exactly what's going on there and how this has kind of developed into like a national story that's taking up all the news shows just about every night? Well, I think that the, the, the Pennsylvania primaries are a good bellwether for, you know, the we know the Trump endorsement is powerful, right? But now you get to see how powerful it is, right? And so, and like where and under under which circumstances it stands and fails, right? Um, we have to, you know, you have to be realistic about it and just, you know, as from a political operative standpoint, just kind of, you have to see the results and kind of interpret them for what they are. Uh, that's why I'm very excited to see what the what the results will be today in Pennsylvania. I am definitely a hundred percent behind you know Kathy Barnett. Okay, no surprise there. Uh, I hope to see her win. I think she'll win. Um, and if not, I think she puts up a good fight, which in and of itself speaks to sort of the power of the Trump endorsement. You know, um, why Trump endorsed Oz? You know, I've been on your show before. I've talked about. You know, there's issues with him endorsing Morgan Ortegas. We right. love dunking on Morgan Ortegas all day. Safe for breakfast. All so, day. you know, another meme for this show. But, yeah, you know, again, I think it happened here in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a very important state, I think, for the future of the GOP in general. Uh, and so how it plays out and what the electorate wants there is very important. And the party should be p- paying attention to that in general. Um, and so uh, hoping to see the Kathy Barnett win. If Oz wins, then again, you know, the, the Trump endorsement seems to be the key to victory in, in many, many you know, different places, um, whether that's Pennsylvania or Ohio. Uh, and furthermore, we'll see more places. I mean, Trump, the, the Trump endorsement on, you know, lower level candidates, um, is just phenomenal. Like the success rate on that is just, you know, some of the key ones, we're going to see how that plays out. Um, but Pennsylvania's one to watch. And I got, I, you know, I like Lou Barletta. Lou Barletta was, uh, you know, I went to a, um, I, I went to one Trump rally in 2018, uh, and it was in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And Lou Barletta, I think, was running for Senate then. Mm-hmm. And he was on stage with uh, he was on stage with Trump that night when I when I went to go see him, right? And so, and then I think I I bumped into Lou Barletta again at the Wall Symposium in 2019 um, that Steve did, you know, uh, with the We Build the Wall thing, yep. you know, the 
there was a there was a wall symposium that happened in like the New Mexico El, pa- El Paso Texas area. The guy is America first through and through, you know. Um, but Ma- you know Mastriano ended up with the uh, endorsement, and I think you know I honestly think Mastriano is a winner here because I think Mastriano's success is more recent, um, and the guy was I remember I was one of the ones early ones to book him on the war room yep. when he stood up you know, for um, uh, election integrity, right? Like, he was the guy who decided to put his name. There was – people have to understand, like, during that time when push came to shove, you know, in the immediate days after Election Day, and there, there was the fight over the certification by the legislatures and all that, you, you 98% of, like, the legislatures in question and, like, the Republicans – who were in control and like were sitting in those seats, 98% of them across all the states, they were all like, I, you know, I, 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 I can be very vulgar, but they were way spineless, too scared to stand up, to stand up, you know, and, and do what was, what was right and necessary, you know, to object to those results um, and, and not certify those votes. Mastriano was like, you know, part of that 2% or even less that stood up and was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop the nonsense here in Pennsylvania. You know, that it, dude, you know, you're, that is a, the guy is, is a hero in my book. And that is, you know, when you have the wherewithal to stand up, you know, in the heat of the moment, like those are the guys you want, you know, fighting for you and on your side. So I am, I am uh, confident in the Mastriano win. I think he will win. Um, and I think that he is another, you know, uh, I think he will be a, a great governor if he gets in and that's going to be a tough fight. He's going to need to bring, he's going to need to bring the heat against Shapiro there in uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, if he wins the general, because, um, the Democratic Party there in Pennsylvania, what I will say, is very organized. Yes, they are the um, big-time money machine there, and they're already starting with the hit pieces in regards to, like, past campaign finance stuff, and they're going to make them seem like some, you know, conspiracy theorists in regarding all the election integrity things that happened after the, you know, we had Senator Mastriano on the day after he announced. I actually caught it on the ticker when he dropped his announcement, or I, I believe it was on Facebook, I just randomly saw it. I saw they had a campaign email shot. <laughs> his manager emailed me back, and she's like, wow, that was quick. She's like, can he come on tomorrow? And uh, we were <laughs> like, yeah, we'll grab him. So we were one of the first. We're going to have him back after the primary. I talked to her this week, but, uh, you know, you make a whole lot of sense there. The Lou Barletta thing is odd, uh, maybe even just as odd as, as the Dr. Oz endorsement. Uh, we never really got behind Dr. Oz, but we just wanted – fair and balanced commentary between like all the candidates. Like you, there's a lot of red flags for everybody. Everybody's got, you know, receipts. Everybody's got skeletons in their closet. We just didn't see on social media, a lot of the same attention being given to, to one that maybe not has been given to the other. And there's a lot more other red flags around the country. You mentioned one, uh, Morgan Ortegas. I, I can't imagine more red flags than her. You got Vernon Jones down in Georgia 10. He's, he's another guy that, that raises a lot of red flags just based off of historical receipts. That doesn't mean we don't back him because he's Trump endorsed. It means, okay, let's talk about this and break it down a little bit. We didn't see it. It's just turned into a dirty, mudslinging fight on social media, and it looks like Pennsylvania is going to be uh, quite a war today, to say the least. It's going to be interesting to see what happens at the end of the day there. 
Uh, yeah, no, I can't, I, uh, I can't wait to see those results. Very exciting. Um, just, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn. Like if you are a, a strategist type or operative type, you need to be paying attention to the results. You need to be paying attention to the data behind it. Um, very important uh, with, with, with uh, what's going on. Uh, and, and again, just on a Pennsylvania level, on a national level, you know, highly, it's in high interest of our movement to know what, what's going on there. Sure. Um, you know, uh, there's also now, I think we also have the North Carolina primaries today. Yes. Um, you know, uh, we can talk about, you know, whatever the weird content that that's out there on, on Madison Cawthorn um, and like how that's dropped and, you know, whether we, we can talk about all that. Right. But I think that there's something really important that we need to keep in mind when we see this whole Cawthorn drama unfold. Uh, what what you need to understand is what's happening to him is it is a coordinated attack. Yep. All right. And what what you need to understand is that by a, if you allow that attack to succeed against Madison Cawthorn. Uh, what you are doing is then legitimizing some, you know, pedo grifter like uh, Steve Schmidt or, you know, these Lincoln Project fools. You're allowing them to legitimize, you know, one of their pitch decks in how to destroy a MAGA Republican, yep. right? And go to do- donors and be able to grift off that. You know, one of these, one of these neocani, whoever, you know, never Trump haters um, that are, you know, so desperately clinging on to trying to retain their power in the party and the scene. And, and you know, event, what, one day we, we will exile them to the Democratic Party forever. <laughs> um, you know, they, it's, it's only a matter of when, not if. Um, but this is, you know, this is one of their things, right? Like this, they, they need to be able to have a strategy and be able to fund a strategy to be able to keep those type of people, um, MAGA Republicans in line or even take them out. And I think you saw a similar style operation against Matt Gates yes. last year. And I think that they failed miserably, failed miserably. You should, you know, we, I think, you know, you, there, we need to be the ones who mock the establishment on how miserably they failed on that. Um, whether it's the establishment, whether it's the deep state, you know, any of these clowns. Um, but, um, I think it failed there, but, you know, what we have to make sure is that it doesn't succeed against Madison Cawthorn either, no matter what you think of what's been dropped you know, on him. Uh, it is a coordinated attack. Do not allow these fools to legitimize their strategies that they can sell to other donors just so that they can make a living now attacking MAGA Republicans because they can't get hired to do literally anything else. Like you wouldn't hire these people to be your barista at Starbucks. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So yeah, that's, you know, I think the really important that we watch what happens to Madison Cawthorn in North Carolina. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, we're going to be keeping our eyes on both of those big time today, and we'll have plenty to talk about when we get back together on Friday and regarding those primaries. 
Fish, we got it, uh, an America First candidate coming in right off the back of you. J.R. Majewski just jumped in the waiting room, so we're going to cut right now. I do want to be able to have our listenership follow you. And listen, before you cut with us, one of our most enjoyable guests by far, we get so much feedback from our listenership on social media is that, you know, they know of you, they see of you, they see you on, like, social media, like, pictures and stuff like that. But they, they say... They like how you open up on this show. You know, it's been great developing uh, a relationship with you, but I think even more at the end of the day for the three of us here on Steak for Breakfast, it's the friendship that's developed between us. I think it makes when you come on the show a whole lot more personal. It lets our listenership know, listen, this is what's going on but politics, but let's really get into, like, what the pulse of it is. And I think nobody can articulate that better than you than when you come on our show. We really appreciate you taking time out of your enormously busy schedule to come down with us. So if you want to let everybody know where they could follow you and then uh, – of course, we'll be looking to have you back at some time soon. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, again, I love steak for breakfast. If there's any way I could actually come on the show while I'm eating steak for breakfast, like that is what I want to do. That'll be an in-person show goal. <laughs> yeah, I want, yeah, in-person show. I like you and I'll let you guys pick the steak and cook it however you want. <laughs> oh, there's only but, one way to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll let you guys decide, but you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Vishbura, V-I-S-H-B-U-R-R-A. I think I scored the at Vish handle yes. on social. I hope so. I've been tagging still, you on there. <laughs> I, I still, I still have to. I got to, I got a post on there. Trump, Trump shouldn't have made me wait two months for my account. Mm. Here's a, that's some, that's some customer feedback right there, man. I had to add uh, a bunch of numbers to my name. I was bummed. Yeah, I was like, what? Dude, you know, I've been sweat, blood, sweat, and tears for the last like four or five years for this movement. You can't even get me an account within a week, you know. <laughs> you know, right. yeah, so. up, but my name is unique enough. My full name is unique enough that I was able to get that at least. There you go. So follow me there. Don't have Instagram. Don't have a uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, Good for you. But uh, yeah. Um, well, it's because I'm banned. It's not because I don't want to be there. Yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, find me. Find, uh, yeah, find me on Twitter. Find me on Truth Social. Uh, find me on Getter at Vishbura. Um, and uh, yeah, be on the lookout. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys will be hearing my name soon about some funky thing I've gotten my fingers into. Nice. Well, we like that, and then we also love our Tony Stark here in the MAGA movement. This is the one and only Vishbura. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. You take care. All right, joining us next on the show today, he is a veteran nuclear energy industry leader, America First Republican, now nominee for the great seat of Ohio 9. Mr. J.R. Majewski, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, we appreciate you, sir. And and I think first and, and foremostly, we have to say congratulations in your amazing win Yeah. Uh, just a few weeks ago out there in Ohio, looking to represent Ohio 9 in the midterm elections. How has everything been like? Just give our listenership a little bit of idea, like leading up to that. We know there was some stuff going behind the scenes. You're more than welcome to let our listenership know about that, and then what it's been like since. Well, it was a it was a tough election, um, tough race. Campaigning is never easy, as I've learned. Um, but you know, I was highly confident. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm still confident today, and, and that we're going to win in November. But I, I believe that I am the, you know, the uh, as close as you can get as a guy that represents his district. I walk, I talk, I act and, and represent these folks very, very well having grown up here. Um, but yeah, the race was tough. I mean, I had two sitting, uh, Ohio state legislators, one representative and one state Senator. And, uh, 
you know, we, we were really confident coming into the, uh, you know, two weeks before the election. And then, you know, unfortunately I lost my father and, uh, you know, that made it even harder, but uh, we were able to persevere and we pulled it out. We outsmarted them and they took us for granted and, you know, we, we kicked their ass and, and uh, we didn't, we didn't leave any remnants for, for questions. So um, very, very happy with how the election turned out. And, uh, you know, since we won, it's, it's been a whirlwind. Um, you know, immediately that night I got phone calls from, you know, many of our congressional leaders and, uh, also from president Trump, uh, president Trump had me down in Dallas yep. and then, uh, you know, he, he surprised the heck out of me and called me on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, had an opportunity to stand next to him and, you know, and, uh, give my 15 minute, uh, little speech there, but, uh, things are looking bright and, um, you know, I, I think I have uh, the, you know, the, the right people behind me. So looking forward to continuing a relationship, a solid relationship with President Trump as, uh, you know, we move into November. And then, you know, we, we, we set the, the, the grounds for him to come back in 24 for, for sure. Yeah, we, we definitely saw a whole bunch of stuff going on leading up into your campaign. I can't imagine. Uh, your, your dad, let me, let me just say, must be so proud of you. I mean, I don't have to say that. You know it. But uh, such an impressive win. Uh, you came out of nowhere to a lot of people. But listen, you were on our show months and months ago. We had such a great time. We talked about the whole campaign, Fat Porn, but then we kind of went off the rails on nuclear energy. We really loved the conversation we had. And as soon as we got off with you, Noah's like, we got to get that guy back again soon. And then, you know... <laughs> Well, you know, we'll have him back to talk about all the nuclear stuff when he's not doing the uh, making America great again stuff. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but we knew it. Like we heard you talk. There wasn't one thing we asked you that you didn't have full like this wasn't some kind of a gag campaign. This was as legit as it gets. It was all gas from the beginning. There was no stopping. And you guys cleared that finish line in what I would call a more than impressive win. We are so proud of you and uh, looking forward to uh, the general elections now with the full total endorsement and backing of uh, the 45th president of the United States. It should be great. I can imagine the, the players that are going to come down to Ohio and be uh, stumbled with you in the near future to help get that you know general election campaign kicked off. Absolutely. It's going to be a good win for, for not only the country, but you know, a good win for Ohio. Um, you know, my district's been plagued by the same Democrat for the past 40 years. And, you know, I, I, I think they've, you know, they set the tone with this primary election that, you know, they're tired of the bullshit and it's time to clean house and get people that actually believe in this country, actually believe in America first and are willing to do what it takes to get this country back on the path that it deserves to be on. And uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. And I'm happy that, uh, you know, you guys recognize that because, you know, there, there were some people that, you know, tried to call my campaign and, and, and what I was doing a joke, but you know, that was just to undermine me um, because they had, you know, I would say uh, more ready access to, you know, people like President Trump that I didn't have. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we worked really, really hard and uh, we put ourselves out in the field. We didn't take anything for granted and we didn't feel as if, you know, this election was owed to us. And uh, I think that was the um, the attitude of my opponents, and that's why they don't deserve to represent us at the federal level. No, it, it's definitely not, and it's it's one thing that we knew after just talking to you for a very short time. We knew you weren't taken for granted. You took Ohio 9 to your heart, and you got it all the way across the finish line. Now, you mentioned a couple components about your, uh, your head-to-head matchup in the uh, general election. Let's let our listening audience know just what's going to happen uh, between now and then uh, regarding you and uh, the sitting incumbent there. 
Well, number one, we're going to, we're going to be on a, uh, you know, a campaign to unite district nine. Um, we've had, you know, redistricting that's occurred here, but even before that, you know, district nine, the Republican party has been pretty secular. Um, and, and, and it's not, it's not that, uh, leadership has essentially taken that, that trajectory. It's just that, you know, we've, we've been under, you know, democratic leadership for 40 years. And I don't think the Republican party has known how to behave and known how to work together. And one of the strongest skill sets that I have is bringing people together and working and fighting towards common goal. And, um, you know, it, it's plain and simple. The leadership here, the Republican leadership here in, in the District 9 is either going to unite and work as a team or they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to make sure that, you know, we do that. Um, this party has no room any longer for ideologists. Uh, this party needs to be one that stands with the people and does the will of the people. And, um, you know, we, we, we won't suffer any behaviors outside of those bounds anymore, at least not as long as I'm around. Um, and, and they can work as hard as they want to, to keep me from that goal. But I think the people are behind me and they show that on May 3rd. So that's, that's the first step is, is getting the leadership here, um, at, you know, at the local level, county level rally behind me. And, and also, you know, it's important that I rally behind them because there's some important elections coming up, you know, for them that they're going to need my help on. So, you know, it's going to be a, a, a teamwork, uh, you know, the effort and, um, you know, we have to be aligned, you know, 100 percent as we as we go into November, because the Democrats are already conspiring to, you know, put out a false narrative that, you know, that that's going to inhibit our, you know, our, our effectiveness. Yeah, I don't really think that you have to, you know, worry about some of the propaganda that they're going to put out against you guys. You guys are going to have some debates or, or forums between now and then. And, and when it comes to the things that you're bringing back to Ohio nine, you're talking about reuniting the Republican party or just get out of the way. I think that's a major uh, component that went into you overall winning that seat. And, and, and then when you talk about your head to head matchup, it, it looks like it's going to be down to dirty. You know, Ohio is one of the biggest bellwether States in the, in the nation. It looks like just based off the fact that after the primaries, America first and, and make America great again is alive and well there, but you can, you know, uh, the primaries aren't as big as a risk as it is the general elections. The general elections, the Democrats know, the radical progressive left knows, this is where we like legitimately lose our power for an entire election cycle. So you're looking to be in some kind of a war moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we're fully prepared. I mean, you know, Marcy Kaptur has a 40-year um, legacy that that is, uh, you know, ripe for criticism. And, um, you know, we're going to bring it to her no holds barred. Absolutely. But, you know, there are a lot of folks here um, in the district that aren't Republican or aren't Democrat that that are that have been disenfranchised. And, you know, I, I feel for those folks. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, again, we've been under the same, you know, uh, plagued leadership for 40 years and they don't know what it's like to actually have a true representative. So, you know, I want to reach out to those folks, too. I want to bring everybody possible on board. I mean. I think the objective is to change the hearts and minds of people and show them how great it is to be a Republican, you know, show them how great life is when you have, you know, uh, when you subscribe to the, our, our conservative principles and our conservative mindset that the world isn't out to, uh, to ruin you, that uh, everybody has the opportunity to live the American dream. And, um, you know, I think I can be very effective in that considering my background, where I grew up and, you know, how I was raised. And that's something that Marcy uh, can't bring to the table. No, it certainly isn't. And, and and in addition to that narrative, what are some of the stark 
differences between you and her that you think are really going to resonate with those independent voters there? Well, number one, you know, I grew up in the um, the most crime riddled and, and impoverished uh, neighborhood in, in the district. And, you know, I was able to, you know, by way of of having a sound family and and, you know, great friends and, you know, a sound mind looking for the right opportunities to, you know, exceed in life and made some really good decisions. But, you know, those decisions were, um, you know, decisions I made on my own. Nothing was ever given to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unlike Marcy, unlike Marcy, I wasn't born into, you know, the upper middle class. I wasn't born into wealth. You know, nothing was ever given to me. So I think you know, that's going to resonate with a lot of people in, in the ninth, particularly when, you know, they're they're hard pressed to find jobs. Um, you know, we have um, uh, uh, our, our lower income uh, folks or, or the under you know, the less fortunate uh, have been redlined out of our economy due to democratic policy. Uh, they, you know, they, they have new uh, low income housing, but they don't have access to public transportation. So, you know, they're stuck in these, um, you know, small little islands, if you will, yep. of, of no access. And, you know, they're, they're forgotten. The only time that they're remembered is, you know, during the election season. So, you know, pressing that hard, pressing at home, uh, being available in the district, Marcy is, uh, we like to say that she's harder to find than Carmen San Diego. <laughs> and, you know, um, one of the first campaign promises that I made is that, you know, I'm going to hold town halls uh, in every county, every quarter in the, di- in, in the entire district. So, you know, we're looking at eight to nine town halls uh, per month, or excuse me, per quarter um, th- throughout my, um, my candidacy. So, you know, that's going to be an effort just, you know, in itself, but just rededicating and, and, and being an actual representative, that's going to make me stand out so much that I don't think Marcy's going to know what to do with, you know, she, they're too busy right now scouring through the internet and trying to find hit pieces on me, uh, you know, just because I, you know, went on a podcast or, you know, they, they want to call me an insurrectionist because I was in DC on January 6th. I mean, to me, if uh, you're a first time candidate and you're running for office and you weren't in DC on January 6th and you're a Republican, um, I think, I think you should be questioning yourself. To be honest, that was the place to be. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's an excellent point you make. And it's one that I don't think we talk about enough. Uh, and, and believe me, they've beat that dead horse so much that I really feel like that narrative has lost its shock value. It's, it continues to drop in the things that concern Americans more uh, unlike the things that are major pillars of your platform, like jobs, like energy, like, you know, uh, education and crime, uh, which is what the people actually want to hear about at the end of the day. You know, for as many people that gasp when you say January 6th, still in small and very exclusive circles, it's not the same thing as like, OK, well, you know, he, he, he was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Man, you're saying that while you're like, damn, it cost me one hundred fifty dollars to fill up my truck every time I go to the gas station twice yeah. a week. And I have to right. get another job or not. I can't afford private uh, child care for my children this summer and I'm going to have to quit my job and we're going to have to live even more frugally moving forward. And then I think the biggest thing that you mentioned. And, and I just want to let our listenership know, because we have tracked you from day one, JR, and we know we share your social media all over the place, and we have really been pumping you out. We, we tried the best to get people directed into your campaign as you moved along to this uh, huge primary win. Your ground game is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, there's people who take the time to go out and meet their, their possible constituents when they're in their these campaigns. And then there's people like you who literally are hitting it from sun up to sundown and then plus, plus, plus 
more just right. getting out there and shaking hands, letting people know like, hey, you may have heard about me. You may have heard things about me. Let me tell you exactly what the issues are. Let me tell you what I'm going to do for you when I get up into the Beltway. And it seems to have really resonated with the base there in Ohio 9. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, my, my entire campaign was was ran on the premise that I was the voter, right? Um, you know, not not all we don't have time in our lives. And, and I would say, generally speaking, Republicans don't want the government in their life. But when we decide to get up on an evening when we could be, you know, doing chores around the house, keeping our wives happy, you know, you know, straightening up the garage or, or you know, even just spending time with our friends and family, you know, considering everything that we're dealing with during this you know, Biden administration. You know, so so when we get up and when Republicans gather and they have these, you know, small groups of, you know, Republican clubs or or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I, I think it. it it's a shame that, you know, candidates don't show up to these things. And when they do, they show up, they take a picture and leave, you know, and, and, and I put a lot of stock and a lot of value in that because, you know, we, we have this, this uh, mindset that campaigning is all about money. And at the end of the day it is, but you know, you can be so much more effective if you're just, you know, leading with your heart and being fallible, being transparent, being a human and going to these events and actually taking the time out to to talk to people, let them vent to you, you know, even though you hear, you know, I hear the same thing 40 times a day, 50 times a day from people. You know, we all have the same, generally speaking, the same complaints and the same concerns, but taking the time out to listen and actually, you know, being a vet path, I think that 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 really resonates with people because it just shows your character. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I, I do want to listen to people, but you know, number one, I want to find them solutions. And that's what I think makes me different than the others. Um, you know, I'll listen to the complaints. I'll listen to the concerns. But at the end of the day, you know, we got to fix these problems. They can't just be talking points. Oh, that's 100% it. it. It's what you do after you hear the concerns and how prepared you are to tackle those on, not just with your words while you're out on the campaign trail, but once you actually get up there to D.C. next year, that's going to be most important. We talked about right before we jumped on the air today, you just secured your uh, campaign headquarters for the general election. You want to let our listenership know a little bit about that exciting move? Um, not yet. Um, it's it's it, we, we did secure an office in, uh, you know, in the district, but um, we want to do like a grand opening. So um, I'm not going to, uh, I don't want to release where it's at yet, but I can tell you that we picked a really nice spot and uh, we are right next to a, a handful of nonprofit organizations. So um, we'll be able to work with them and, uh, you know, become patrons of, of their businesses, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So uh, the goal was to recontribute to the economy, recontribute to the community, but also be in a place where we're, you know, we're visible and, uh, you know, we're included. So um, we'll do, we're going to do something nice for the community when we, when we release where we're located, but we just signed today, just got the keys today. So my luck, if I tell anybody where it's at, we'll have visitors tonight when we're trying to put furniture <laughs> together, we'll look like a hot mess. So, <laughs> Hey, listen, you talked about being the most like transparent down to earth, real guy in the whole campaign. You know, it'd be funny to have people come through and see you putting some Ikea furniture together. I think. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, we, we won't do Ikea though. Cause that's not made in America, but hey, um, I like there, it. there we, you go. We, <laughs> we will be, we will be putting a lot of furniture together tonight. That's, that's the plan. Well, 
We're going to be looking forward to continue to, to track and everything going on with you, JR. We know you're incredibly busy. You have an amazing team set up around you. One of, one of the gals you got working there, Melissa, she is go-to. We've established a great relationship with her, and we hope moving down the road in the future as we head closer and closer to the general elections, we're, of course, going to ask that you'd come back. But we do want to get our listenership to know uh, anywhere that they can help you out. This campaign has not ended with the primary but it's like donald trump always says it is only just begun as we get ready to head into the general election so your campaign website any place they could find you across social media and hopefully we get those donations and uh groundwork rolling in yeah the easiest place to make a contribution is uh jr for ohio that's j-r-f-o-r-o-h-i-o um with respect to my website that's jr majewski the number four congress.com and you can find me on social media uh, generally speaking, my username or tag is J.R. Majewski. Uh, you, you may find it as uh, J.R. Majewski for Congress. We will be live linking those in the show description today. And like I already mentioned, we'll be asking you to come back at some point between now and November, sir. This is the Trump-endorsed, America first, Republican nominee. Sounds so great. For Ohio 9, J.R. Majewski, thanks for joining us again on Steak for Breakfast. All right, gentlemen. Anytime you need me, I'm always here. We appreciate it, sir. You take care. All right. God bless. Well, those are some great guests to kick off the show. It's always good sitting down with Fishborough. He's been kind of on a wild ride lately, reconnecting with Matt Gates and then joining him throughout the state of Ohio when they had their primary and getting all those Trump-endorsed America First candidates over the finish line. In addition, you know, when you have the chance to talk to the now um, Republican nominee from Ohio 9, J.R. Majewski, it's going to be a... Uh, Content for good show, and what do you think, Noah? Yeah, definitely. Those guys are both solid guests. More than solid. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into it. Wanted to thank everyone in our listenership who's been supporting the show lately. Uh, We've really been doing a great job, you know, having everybody get out there and share our content and, you know, just participate in the whole Steak for Breakfast experience. We've seen drastic increases in the numbers and quite a big surge uh, over the last month or so. So we just want to let our listenership know all those meme makers out there that are sharing everything and, and collaborating with us. We really do appreciate you guys. Um, in addition to that, last thing I got in, in regards to, to housekeeping, we got primary day today, huge primaries. We've got North Carolina, Kentucky, Oregon, uh, Idaho, and of course, Pennsylvania all going down. So we will get to the bottom of uh, a couple different things that have become national news stories. Uh, more specifically, the Pennsylvania senatorial race, where we're going to see that three-headed monster come to a close tonight, and we will have an eventual winner. Uh, Trafalgar put out a uh, poll late last night. It was the final Pennsylvania poll. Um, They had, in the governor's race, Doug Mastriano with what seems to be insurmountable lead there in the Republican primary, which we love. We're going to have the great senator and hopefully the uh, Republican nominee for governor back soon. And, uh, of course, Dr. Oz, I believe it was within three points, which is the margin of error. Uh, I believe he was at 32 and change, and the closest challenger was around 29. So we'll just have to see what happens. But, listen, I think the most important thing, this show is going to be out before a lot of the polls close across the country today. So if you're one of those Steak for Breakfast podcast listeners who, who get in on day one as soon as the show drops, we always see you know hundreds of people downloading the show within the first hour. If you, if you live in one of those states and you haven't voted – Get out and vote. You know, it's the only way we're going to save this country and fix the things that are going on wrong with it right now. So very important that you get out there. Um, well, I don't know if you guys saw, the country was a shit show this past weekend. Um, racism was the, uh, so they flipped through the Rolodex of things to blame on on conservatives and, and 
ultra MAGA ers, mm. and apparently racism was back. There was a huge riot in Chicago on Friday night. There was obviously the, uh, I guess we can call it a mass shooting in Buffalo, yeah. over the weekend, uh, where ten people died, including a, a retired police officer. And then you had another racially motivated one out here in in California in Laguna Beach at a church. Um, a man of Asian descent was dissatisfied with another sect of Asian descent and therefore went to church to kill people of okay. said second sect. And uh, he was eventually... These religious uh, organizations or sects, I guess? Yeah. No, no. it was, I believe, I want to say Chinese and, and Taiwan. Oh. So the Chinese guy went to the church to, like, shoot it up, and, and you know, he, he wound up killing a few people and wounding several others. That one didn't seem to make as much of the news. Imagine that. Weird. But the, uh, the white kid who was a... Uh, a self-proclaimed leftist? Leftist, populist. Communist. Who hated Fox News and, and railed against Donald Trump and was also, like, borderline eco-terrorist who, uh, in, in in the spring of last year, threatened to attend his high school graduation and kill everyone there. Oh, good. Uh, oh. But but the news told me he was a Republican. Probably. Did they say he was wearing a Make American Great Again hat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they did. And then he, 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 he shouted, this is MAGA country. Right. Oh, no, actually... They replaced <laughs> they replaced the sound of his rifle going off with "This is MAGA country." There you go, oh, every single time. Listen, at the end of the day, all of the events that happened, and not really to good. make light of it. No, that's what I'm saying. Even these though are, I just did, these are extremely serious events. What's going on in Lori Lightfoot Chicago is an absolute disaster for the way that she's let crime spiral out of control. Where on average, you could see dozens of people uh, murdered. And, you know, close to 100 people shot on, a, on an average weekend there. Uh, the tragedy that happened in both Buffalo and, and Laguna Beach this weekend. None of them are good. They're all horrible acts. But, you know, it's, it's how this current administration is going to continue to spin it and, and try to find anything that resonates with anyone outside of their base right now as they are just off the rails on every single issue. You know, we went over the top 10 things that are concerning to Americans right now, demographics across every voter platform last week, and none of them had to do um, with like, you know, climate change was all the way at the bottom. Racism was all the way at the bottom. COVID was all the way at the bottom. And uh, all the things that they're trying to pump up there are just not important. Well, they're going to try to pump up the gun control. Yeah. So yesterday uh, we had our first day of, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre. And, and just imagine that, one of the most, and we, we've played a, a huge segment um, from Tucker. I heard she came out and just, you know, checked all the boxes immediately. She certainly will, and we're going to hear it in a second. We, we, we teased it on our Friday show after, on our Tuesday show of last week, giving you an extensive look back into her uh, resume that Tucker f- failed to include in his description of her, although his was, was great as well. I do have to apologize to our listenership. We had so much shit going on last week. Five guests and two new segments, and it was just so busy. I called at the beginning and the end of the show our Friday edition, our Tuesday edition. Doesn't matter. Nailed it. We love to time travel. There you go. Did people Uh, catch you? No, but I caught myself, and I cringed every time I listened to it. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I I made sure I I told us this was our Tuesday edition today, and we'll be back on Friday of this week with another show that hopefully I won't call Tuesday. Unless we time travel again. There we go. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's hear her continue to push this whole just checkmark narrative of the administration in her opening statements as press sec. Communities are so proud of you. We're hearing it on social media everywhere. You're the first. What does that mean for the broader community, particularly Washington? White male dominated still, even though we had the first black president. Um, The broader society that is majority does not look like you. What does this say? Because it's not window dressing. 
it's more than that. It's a very good uh, question, April. I'm going to um, answer it in a in a kind of a personal way. And it definitely that's, wasn't that's prepared okay, in since advance. You asked it in a personal way. Um, so I have not read a lot of the things that have been written Stop about me it. because oh. I wanted to focus on the work at, at hand. And I do believe it's not Lying. about me. It's about this place. Uh, it's about uh, what the work that I have to do every day that we all have to do as a team to make sure that we communicate with you and communicate with the broader uh, the part the broader public. Um, but there was something that moved me, and I think this speaks to to what you're asking, which is um, there was a story about my um, elementary school. I went to Franklin Middle School, elementary school in Hempstead, New York, and they did a story, and they went to the class. Uh, I think I was in sixth grade when I went there. I went for one year, and they talked to the students uh, about me and this moment and this administration, too, which is very important because I don't think I would be here. Yes, I, stand, I stood on so many shoulders, but it does matter who sits in the Oval Office as well. That is very, very real. Um, and these kids wrote me a letter, and in the letter, they talked about how they can dream bigger uh, because of me standing behind this podium. And that matters. Like, you know, as I started out in the beginning, representation matters. And not just for girls, but also for boys. And so what I hope is that young people get to dream big and dream bigger uh, than they have before by seeing me stand here and answer all of your questions. you know, um, and, uh, and and have a healthy dialogue, as I discussed. Um, and so I think it is important. And so I appreciate the question. Thank you. That wasn't a question. That was a huge grift to have. Yeah, that was definitely like, hey, we're going to fucking lobby this fucking low ball here. Right. Softball. Low and outside. And, you know, she, she just did the gender thing. That's a no-no. Not allowed to do that. How dare you? I mean, I guess we could say that there's a... They can't even keep up with their own bullshit. It would be a state exclusive that there are two genders. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Tucker weighed in last night because as we're going to get into after we hear from him, there was was kind of a narrative being built over the weekend that uh, a lot of parts that went into the shooting in Buffalo had to do with some of the rhetoric that he talks about on his nightly show on Fox News. That Tucker's push for nationalist populism and away from the establishment way of thinking and replacement therapy is what eventually led this shooter in Buffalo, which the two are not connected in any way. No, if you look at like responsible gun owners and if you want to, you know, bring the NRA into it, like has there ever been a mass shooter that was a member of the NRA? No, not that I've ever known. And would any self-respecting gun owner put white puffy paint all over his rifle? No, no. Oh, and the fact that he put the N word on his rifle, it just screams false flagged. Yeah. Sorry, people. I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist, but it's just so convenient. You yeah, know? it's good timing for the gun control push that was inevitable. Exactly. Yeah, after exactly. the bad week that they had last week. Let's hear Tucky weigh in on it. But what he wrote does not add up to a manifesto. It is not a blueprint for a new extremist political movement, much less the potential inspiration for a racist revolution. Anyone who claims that it is, is lying or hasn't read it. Instead, Gendron's letter is a rambling pastiche of slogans and internet memes, some of which flatly contradict one another. The document is not recognizably left-wing or right-wing. It's not really political at all. The document is crazy. It's the product of a diseased and organized mind. At one point, Gendron suggests that Fox News is part of some global conspiracy against him. He writes like the mental patient he is, disjointed, irrational, paranoid. 
Now that's true, not that it makes the atrocities he committed easier to bear. If your daughter was murdered on Saturday in Buffalo, you wouldn't care why the killer did it or who he voted for. But the truth about Peyton Gendron does tell you a lot about the ruthlessness and dishonesty of our political leadership. Within minutes of Saturday's shooting, before all of the bodies of those 10 murdered Americans had even been identified by their loved ones, professional Democrats had begun a coordinated campaign to blame those murders on their political opponents. They did it, they said immediately. Patron Gendron was the heir to Donald Trump, they told us. <laughs> Trumpism committed mass murder in Buffalo. Jeez. And for that reason, it followed logically, we must suspend the First Amendment. Makes a lot of sense there, right? Yeah. Now, what was he talking about is just as consequential. We're going to play some of the uh, lowlights of the absolute disgustingness that came from the radical progressive left over the weekend, uh, starting with the uh, Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer. Um, it, some of this stuff is really violently poisonous uh, to the casual listener and, and, and is extremely dangerous to, to kind of beat into people's heads as like a drive-by headline. You can't touch something a little bit more controversial and, and think you're going to get anything other than violence out of it. In a nutshell, it is dangerous and a deeply anti-American worldview. It is poisoning minds, people's minds, who spend hours wandering the darkest wastelands. Oh! of the internet. <laughs> and let's be clear, it's a message that has also found a special home in several right-wing outlets and on one cable news channel in particular, Fox News. Oh, oh, oh. In a craven quest for viewers and ratings. A craven quest? Organizations like Fox News have spent years perfecting the craft of stoking cultural grievance and political resentment. Quaven craft the grievances? That eerily <laughs> mirrors the messages found in replacement theory. <laughs> According to one measure by the New York Times, Fox's top political pundit, most widely watched, Tucker Carlson, has spewed rhetoric that echoes replacement theory at least 400 times on his show since 2016. Let me repeat that. Um. According to one measure by the New York Times, Fox's top political pundit, Tucker Carlson, has spewed rhetoric that echoes replacement theory at least 400, 400 times on his show since 2016. 400 times. This is a poison that's being spread by one of the largest news organizations in our country. Now, to its credit, this morning, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, which is run by the same elites who run Fox News, elites owned by the same people, the Wall Street Journal editorial board wrote that, quote, politicians and media figures have an obligation to condemn such conspiratorial notions as white replacement theory. Those are the words of the Wall Street Journal editorial page. They are right but condemning racist ideologies and violence is necessary, but hardly sufficient. Mm. The replacement theory thing, really? I mean, we are like, I mean, I consider myself Caucasian, but I'm Eastern European Caucasian. Right. Know, I'm not white, like American white, because I'm first generation. But I mean, it's true, though. Well, like, by the numbers. On white, yeah, by the numbers, 100%. Yeah. It's and true. 
if anybody's not familiar with the replacement theory thing, uh, it's a it's a theory that came from I believe it was Dr. Lawrence Rosenthal from Berkeley, okay. of course, the yeah. Center for Right Wing Studies. Mm. Replacement theory is the idea that white populations, both in North America, here in the USA, and in Europe, are being replaced by minority populations, largely through immigration. How dare they? True. It believes that leftist and Jewish elites are engineering ethnic and cultural replacement. That's what it says at the end after the quotes. Okay. That seems like a little, you know, wackadoo ending for it. But I mean, if you just look by the numbers, then I mean, if you're being, if you're being outnumbered by how many uh, millions, millions, then it's not really a theory. But I mean, I'm not saying that it's like a Zionist plot or something. (laughs) You know, to go down that rabbit hole. They they do want to destroy cultures. You see what they do in other countries, you know, with with the mass migration and that they started in like 2014, 2015 and whatnot. Like France is not, doesn't look like France. You know, London, it looks like London, you know, it's, it's pretty wild, but that's what they want because when they destroy and weaken cultures, they weaken the country, you know? No, it it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, and they I, cause turmoil because how can you, for example, how can you coexist with somebody that comes from a third world country that has absolutely no, like, no, n- like n- not the same ideals, the same way of behaving, um, as you know, more civilized na- in a more civilized nature. You know, there's going to be chaos, and that's yeah. kind of what they want. Yeah, I think kind of the thing when Tucker weighs in on it too, he t- he's he's done some very specific things, replacing American blue collar workers, replacing yeah. Americans, and like let's just say. Listen, when you drop all of the entrance uh, examinations and requirements for people to get into Ivy League college and make it to where it's not an Ivy League, you know, level uh, entrance hurdles to get into, uh, yes, you're, you're, you're essentially replacing the best of the best with the most average of average, if not lower. They even started attacking Asians now when they were, like, propping them up for being, like, better you know and or or like um because they were a minority for example you know over white people now it's everybody over white people yeah no it makes a lot of sense and and, you know it's one of those things that i've seen some of the major ivy league institutions go in and reinstitute their uh testing measures after just one year of trying it because it was either a case of no one was signing up for the classes that they were dropping (laughs) the entry requirements on or everybody was failing them i will add everybody but white people but if the white people are even more, you know, deserving of, you know, entrance is what I meant to say. Yeah. And then I had a friend who was posting in one of our group chats and he was referencing basically the fall of the Roman empire to a lot of the things that we have going, going right now. One of the things that he, this is an excerpt from one of the things that he, he posted was the barbarian attacks on Rome partially stem from mass migration caused by the Huns invasion of Europe in the late fourth century. When these Eurasian warriors rampaged through northern Europe, they drove many Germanic tribes to the borders of the Roman Empire. The Romans grudgingly allowed members of the Visigoth tribe to cross south of the Danube and into the safety of the Roman territory, but they treated them with extreme cruelty. According to historian Amanius Marcellinus, Roman officials even forced the starving Goths to trade their children into slavery in exchange for dog meat. In brutalizing the Goths, the Romans created a dangerous enemy within their own borders. When oppression became too much to bear, the Goths rose up in revolt and eventually routed a Roman army and killed the Western Emperor Valens during the battle. Blah blah blah. I can't remember that the uh, I clipped That's off true. I clipped off my screen capture, but we've all seen three hundred. 
and the gladiator <clears throat> you know there's a lot of really good stuff i mean that's one of my most favorite movies of all time and you can learn a lot and you see the parallels in what's happening today in the world in that film it's pretty wild but mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think we can get uh gates to to yell out are you not entertained in uh in congress <laughs> well we did talk about last week how amazing his speech writer is i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't yeah. think that at some point you might see some of that in there you know whose speech writer is not good don't worry it's not her mm. uh mayor pete put the uh tit feeder down this weekend and jumped on uh <laughs> i believe donald trump calls this one deface the nation <laughs> and, and, and talked about some of this re replacement theory uh rhetoric let's hear him kind of unpreparedly weigh in on it Buffalo, you were once a mayor. Uh, a do mayor. you think that there should be a federal law criminalizing domestic terrorism? The president <laughs> used that phrase, but that's not really on the books. I'll let the president speak to the legal outlook with regard to the definition of terrorism, but whether it's called that legally or not, this was terrorism. This was hate. And this would be a good day for every politician in this country, left, right and center every media figure in this country, left, right, and center, to come out and unequivocally condemn white nationalism, so-called replacement theory, and any other hateful ideology that could have contributed to something like this before it happens again. But should there be a federal statute that elevates things when those terms you just threw out there, should there be an association directly with terrorism? Again, we don't know, obviously, all of the details that fit the legal definitions. Mm -hmm. What we know is that somebody traveled a long distance with an AR-15 to hunt human beings, mm. to hunt black people. And we need to make sure that we root out that kind of hate. And, by the way, that we have a conversation about the availability of the kind of tactical weaponry that he seems to have had. And you know, yet we seem words. to be having that conversation over and over and yeah. over again as a country. No, do you want to talk about the uh, accessibility well, to tactical weaponry that that right. shooter it's had? It's always to? an AR-15 too. It's like leave my AR-15 alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. It's so ridiculous, man. One of the, I mean, it's one of the most common sporting rifles yeah. that there is. It's a pistol Not with a couple extra parts rifle. on it. And when you talk about the designation of a tactical rifle or assault rifle, which is the biggest misnomer. Right. Ever because none of these rifles, unless they've been modified yep. to be actual, what would be considered an assault rifle would be fully automatic or three round burst. Mm -hmm. Like the, the gun laws regarding these rifles are pointless because anybody that's going to do anything horrendous with one of these rifles is going to easily modify like, okay, so take California law, for instance. Now we have the, uh, the upper and the lower need to be separated in order to load. Uh, the magazine needs to be fixed. Um, before all that nonsense, there was the the magazine release was different. So you had to have a bullet button or you would need a tool to drop the magazine, basically. Mm -hmm. So you can't do a, a fast reload with your 10-round magazine. Wow. Or your 30-round clip if you're fucking, what's his name, uh, that idiot from... <laughs> I can't remember his name. But, <laughs> but but like literally it takes 30 seconds to swap out a mag release on a rifle. Not that I would know. Mm -hmm. Right. No, but I mean, most right. gun owners kind of know these things. Well, but I mean, if, you, if you're if you somebody that dabbles with that, you've most likely built one of these rifles from scratch. Right. And you've had to swap out these parts to make your, your, your rifle right. quote unquote legal. And it's just nonsense because, okay, so yeah, if you buy one over the counter, 
and it's already California compliant, then you would have to have some knowledge to, to un, right. unswap Right, and anybody can modify everything. anything. It's a, it's a piece of machinery, essentially. Yeah, so. and it's a tool, and that's one of the things. Yeah. It's like there's – I mean, if it wasn't a, a rifle, it would be that the, the kid would have made a bomb or something like yep. that. Well, and, what about the kid that like went and jumped on stage and attacked Dave Chappelle? He had a replica handgun. People are three D printing handguns that are off the books. Oh, and you then know? there's just the uh, he had a replica like a like an airsoft gun or something. Like no, that. he he no. Had, it was it was a replica handgun. It was metal and it had welded to it a three inch knife blade. It was a functional firearm, or no? He, he, I don't I don't know if, for that, but well, I, I mean, heard... you're, you're no, I, I saw I saw pictures of it and read. You're the not going to go through the extra effort to weld a knife but, blade but he, onto it if you if it actually shoots probably because i mean right exactly it's like, the, it's like the videos of the guy that's like doing the <laughs> 300 yard uh, knife attack <laughs> he, he's, but he's, i know people are 3d printing these things at home and uh, th- like they're functional you know it's it's, it's just possible. the whole the whole thing is just such yeah. a travesty of just they're, basic I mean, like, exploit situations for their you know like you said the gun control mm-hmm. agenda they're really trying yeah very, it's irrational right yeah definitely i like the meme uh when it comes to like the the abortion stuff and it's like if if abortion's illegal then women are just gonna get illegal abortions or i was like oh kind of sounds like the gun control argument mm. exactly <laughs> mad np feet npc face for yeah. the last box um <laughs> jean pierre was asked about why the White House is kind of reluctant at the moment to be calling out elected officials and, and pundits in the news media who may help spread white nationalism. Because mm. that's apparently a thing. Apparently our elected officials and Tucker Carlson are spreading white nationalism. Well, it's that's literally, I mean, that was one of the communist uh, parties' things that they they would... Marginalizing your opponents. We're going to marginalize your opponents by calling them the most negative of the negative. And if and literally, like verbatim, it says you're going to do it enough times where it becomes fact to the general public because they've heard it so many times. Right. I'll have to see if I can dig up that audio. And while you're doing that, let's hear her. Thanks, Trine. Uh, two questions for you. Sure. One, um, there are some elected officials and media figures who are publicly espousing xenophobic, racist, and extremist views that uh, may be helping to spread uh, white nationalism. You just told my colleague here that you don't want to call out any names. Why don't you want to do that? Does that come from the president himself? No, I think because it doesn't matter who it is. What what. If, if a person espouses hatred, we need to call that out. Um, I'm not going to get into a back and forth on names and who said what. We're just saying uh, if someone does that, if there's an individual uh, that is espousing hate, xenophobia, um, you know, has, uh, you know, has uh, just white supremacy type of, of uh, extremism, we need to call that out. And this president has done that. He's done that uh, at, every, at every unfortunate uh, every unfortunate, uh, uh, violent uh, uh, event that we have seen, um, as we know, Charlottesville, as I just mentioned, oh God. Uh, was, was was the reason that he decided to jump in uh, into this election back in 2020. I mean, they were going to get a little bit more specific and stay in the same thread. Um, it, it, they they went and actually targeted Elise Stefanik and, and Tucker Carlson. Let's hear it. Uh, thank you, and uh, congratulations. Thanks. I was hoping you could offer a little more of an explanation about something you said earlier, where you said 
that they were, did not want to call out by name individuals who had been espousing racist theories that could be fueling violence. I guess my question is why not, particularly if they're individuals who have very large platforms and theoretically carry a lot of influence. This would be people accused of doing so include the number three Republican in the House and the host of the number one cable news show on television. Why not call them out by name? I mean, look, what we saw on Saturday was devastating and horrific. Um, you know, it is what we want to do is making sure that we send a very clear message that hate must have no safe harbor. Um, and we must do everything in our power to end hate-fueled domestic uh, terrorism. And we must reject hatred and extreme, extreme ideologies that seek to divide uh, Americans wherever we find it in society. It is antithetical to who we are as a country. And that is what we want to make sure that we're doing. It doesn't matter who, who it is. Uh, this uh, this is something like morally like moral the moral truth of this is that you know it is a a racial motivated hate crime and it's abhorrent uh, and so that's what we need to call out it doesn't it doesn't matter who that is uh, and that's what we're trying to make clear here we're not so we're not you guys saw over the course of those clips as that evolved the White House Senator Schumer other people within the administration, Mayor Pete, they went around over the weekend after this happened, provoking, stoking yeah. flames, yep. trying to say without say, and then it gave the media the opportunity to say like, oh, they're talking about replacement theory. That's fucking Tucker Carlson. Oh, they're talking about this with gun control. That's Elise Stefanik. And then it got so out of control that by the time we got to the press secretary, uh, the White House press conference yesterday, every single person who was in the radical progressive left in the media was like, why aren't you calling them out? Why doesn't the president want to? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We just tried to bring them up to kind of take away from what actually happened and circle back to gun control. And now you guys, and are, now just, you guys are ruining it. Now you guys are just focused <laughs> on the names and you get, yeah, essentially you guys are fucking ruining it. So it, it was one of those th together. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. So that's where it started to go off the rails. We'll go back to her in a little bit uh, in one of our other segments, because what happened was. So apparently, out of all the stuff that happened this weekend, a whole bunch of people got killed in Chicago. There was a huge riot there after a sporting event on Friday. We had the shooting in, in Laguna, California at a church uh, where there were actually some heroes there who, who subdued this shooter and, and tied him up with electrical cords uh, wow. until the police arrived. And, and then there was this massacre in Buffalo, New York. Of course, Joe Biden, piece of shit that he is, was going to hop on a plane and fly to Buffalo, New York today to grift on this whole narrative and circle it around racism and gun control. But... That's where the press sex first uh, conference kind of went off the rails, and we'll circle back to her later because she had her first encounter with Peter Ducey Ooh. in an official context, <laughs> not as the backup, not as the reliever coming in, and he kind of embarrassed her talking about the economy on day one. But let's hear the president who was in Buffalo this morning weigh in on this incident. We have to refuse to live in a country oh God. where black people going about a weekly grocery shopping can be gunned down by weapons of war, deployed in a racist cause. We have to refuse to live in a country where fear and lies are packaged for power and for profit. Mm -hmm. So, Don't worry, he wasn't done. I got one more clip. Remember, they're all short. Let's hear the rest of it. We must all enlist in this great cause of America. This is work that requires all of us Presidents, politicians, commentators, citizens, none of us can stay in the sidelines. We have to re resolve that here in Buffalo, that from the tragedy, this tragedy will come hope and light and life. 
It has to. And that on our watch, the sacred cause of America will never bow, never break, never bend. And the American we love, the one we love will endure. They love America? So the family. <laughs> Joe Biden's got an N95 mask on outside on a stage. May we find purpose. Joe Biden. To Jill. live life worthy of the loved ones you lost. From a hymn based on the 91st Psalm that's sung in my church. May he raise you up on eagle's wings and bear you on the breath of dawn. Make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. Oh, I can't. That's my wish for us. We can do this if we resolve to do it. You can do it. We take on the haters. The haters? And those who don't even care. It's just about profit and politics. Mm -hmm. So your team. So that, that, that oh. was, Projection. Yeah. So that was Joe Biden today at the uh, at the little teleprompter tent they set up for him <laughs> close to where the Buffalo uh, massacre happened over the weekend. And like I said, what happened to the actual people is horrific. Yeah, that's that's the shooter himself and his ideologies. Listen. Every, in New York State, he's going to go to jail for the rest of his life. I could only wish for the most painful and and, and worse than that for him. Uh, and he live streamed it too. How disgusting! Yeah, he live streamed it on yeah. Twitch to, to tens of thousands like, of. I didn't see any. I, no, listen, I, I I saw the video as soon as it came out. It looked like Call of Duty. It really with real people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I showed it to a couple people, and they're like, "That's fake." And I was like, "Nah, actually, it's not. It's the Buffalo Massacre." And then happened. like the one like. Where he goes to like shoot the guy like laying down in between the. And he says, "No, you're white." Yeah. What? The guy that's in between the registers. Yeah, he literally goes, "Sorry" or something like that. He said, "No, you're white." Oh my god! And then he just I moves didn't see on. Any of this? No yeah. way. Wow. Yeah. That's after he dead checked the people that were laying in the aisle that he shot through the window. Yeesh. Oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where, listen, as a nation, we have to continue to fight and combat this ideology and these sick people. This is another case where, listen, local law enforcement was notified of this over a year ago. The local say, FBI, yes, the local FBI office. Yeah, he had, was on the radar. Had him on a list, but but listen, they're still kicking in doors of people who fucking walk through the, the Capitol on January sixth and putting them in jail for fucking misdemeanors meanwhile this guy went on social media last year and got banned off of a whole bunch of platforms for saying he was going to kill everybody at his high school and nobody did shit about it local law enforcement and the fbi no, are insane. they knew he was a gun owner Yeah, they dropped the ball again the guns were regi legally registered to him and other family members in his house and he used them and owned them in a lawful manner to conduct these vicious disgusting hate crimes but it all could have been prevented if they were more worried about targeting Republicans, targeting conservatives, targeting the MAGA base, instead of going after the people with real mental illness and right. disgusting ideologies like this kid obviously was and what happened over the weekend in Buffalo. So Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't uh singing the right tune for them to to go after him. No, this isn't about gun control. This is about uh demonizing the 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 Trump base and it's one of those things that we just have to continue to monitor. I did find that audio the the communist directive from the the 40s. Here, here he comes. 1943, the following directive was issued from party headquarters to all communists in the United States. It read, when certain obstructionists become too irritating, label them after suitable buildups as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic and use the prestige of anti-fascist and tolerance organizations to discredit them. In the public mind, constantly associate those who oppose us with those names which already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, 
become fact in the public mind. Why, why does that sound familiar? That sounds like something I've said a thousand times. No, it's it's one of those things. It's it's amazing to hear that and to how familiar it sounds. It's pathetic to hear our our leaders up on Capitol Hill um, on the on the progressive left championing it, and then on on the right not fighting hard enough and pushing back. You know, listen, our elected officials aren't racist. They aren't out there promoting mass shootings and and genocide and stuff like that. Replacement theory is a real thing. And if you think it's not, remember rule number one of the show. Go and do your research. Fox News wouldn't let Tucker Carlson talk about it every other day if it wasn't something that's, that's number one, real, number two, greatly affecting our nation right now, in workers, in, in colleges, and all over the place. Um, we probably won't touch on this too much with our next guest, but we are going to talk about another amazing America First campaign that's happening in the Congre- Congressional District of New Jersey 4. We're going to have great friend of the show and uh, – Column A on the ballot, Mike Crispy joining us in just a sec. All right, joining us next on the show today. In his past life, he was a businessman and a real news journalist, but he's currently running an America First campaign for Congress for the U.S. House of Representatives in New Jersey 4. One of our great friends coming back again, Mr. Mike Crispy. Thanks for joining us today. Gentlemen, it's been a while, and I've missed you, but uh, it's great to be back on. It's great to be back on. So Let's you, never wait this long again. Yeah, what, what are you- I know, I know. I I, it was like every week, you know, it was, it was, it was just beautiful what we were doing. So it's been a couple months. We'll never let this happen again. Well said. Perfect. Well said. I like that. Uh, so you've been busy a little bit running one of the strongest America first campaigns in the entire country. You've made some uh, massive achievements in uh, your race. Why don't you let our listenership know just about what's going on right now down in good old NJ four. I, I got to tell you. So, you know, when we started this race, you know, it was all, it was all started on when uh, president Trump, uh, in November, called out Chris Smith, right? He called him out by name. He said that he needed to be primaried. He said that saving America starts with saving our countries from the rhinos, the sellouts, and the losers, Chris Smith being all three. So uh, obviously, as many of the audience knows, we started the campaign in January, uh, a political novice, just being in broadcasting before and being up close and personal with all these people. But standing up a campaign and actually running for Congress is literally the hardest thing any person will do if they're doing it right. You know, now a lot of people can say, oh, I'm running for Congress and they run around and do this. But to run a campaign uh, the right way and actually challenge the establishment and take the fight to them and, and do things uh, that get them worried, it's really hard to do. But I'm pleased to say that, you know, in six months time or yeah, six months time, uh, we've come a very long way. You know, we have uh, raised the most money out of any primary challenger in this race um, by a lot. Uh, we uh, won column A on the ballot, which uh, for the first time in 42 years, Chris Smith is not in the coveted column A. That's a New Jersey quirky thing, but they basically manipulate the ballots where they put any challenger candidates off to the corner and they put the main candidate in the first column, you know, bold and everything. So we took that from him, which is big. Nice. Um, we also recruited 75 local running mates uh, between Ocean and Monmouth County uh, for local positions and county positions to run along with us. That was a big achievement. And we've won a lot of great endorsements. We've won the endorsements of uh, General Flynn, uh, obviously Roger Stone being involved. We got Wendy Rogers endorsement the other day. I think we're going to have some more endorsements coming soon. The Republican Liberty Caucus uh, and all these other great groups and people have endorsed us. So I'm feeling very good about that. And then the final thing is that you had a crazy primary field. I mean, we had 
this 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 race uh, at one point had eight candidates in it, uh, and we have now whittled the field down to a true head-to-head contest between myself and Congressman Smith. Okay, there's one other guy who's in the race, but you know, not a real candidate. Uh, it is truly a contest between myself in column A and Smith in column B, and uh, I think we have the momentum on our side. I think we have the plan in place in the last 21 days to do what we need to do to communicate our message and uh, the people to help us do it. And I think we're going to have a a very, very, very uh, exciting night on June 7th. So I'm excited about it. It's been, like I said, very hard. Um, But the last 21 days are going to be 10 times harder, but it's all very rewarding because you see what it takes to beat the swamp. And somebody's got to do this kind of work if you want to beat these truly demonic entrenched bureaucrats, guys. No, you, you make a lot of good points there, Mike. I want to go back over them with you. R- raising that th- that big money there up against a huge rhino incumbent who's got just entrenched in the state uh, says a lot to how hard you've been working. Now, we're friends off the air. Uh, we have been for quite some time. And and listen, it used to be I could text or call you and, and the bubbles would be populating before my message would even be delivered. And now it's like... Ah. No, it, it, it's hard to get a hold of you, but then when you go on social media, ah. it, you see you're here in the morning, you're you're there in the afternoon, you're at some major event at night, and it's like an everyday thing. So the money in the ground game has been absolutely huge. I don't think our listenership understands the uh, the logistics of, of securing column A. When you're talking about someone who's been bumped out of column A for the first time since he's ran for Congress, when we're talking about Chris Smith there, that just shows there is something going on big with your campaign and uh, the people in New Jersey, it sounds like they're ready for a little bit of change. And then when you talk about those endorsements, uh, those are three really solid ones in addition to all the other organizations and, and local people that you've secured. But General Flynn, Roger Stone, and, and Wendy Rogers is just nothing really to sneeze at. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I and I, it is crazy because I really don't, like, it, it's tough. Like, it's really hard when you're doing this. It's like, it's even hard to keep up with all the, like, current events in the news. Like, you know, I'm obviously a big news guy. I was, you know... A, a, a podcast host before this and doing the broadcasting. And it's like, I, it's almost no time for anything because you wake up in the morning and then you got to raise the funds. And, and, you know, that's the least favorite part of it is, is asking people for dollars. But if you want to run, run a real campaign, you got to do it. You got to work at it. And it's, it's never enough. So you got to ask people for, for money. And then, you know, you're meeting with all these interest groups and then you're meeting with all these Republican clubs. Then you're holding your own rallies. And then you're, you're meeting with, you know, all sorts of different uh, influential folks and you're knocking on doors and you're going to events and you're making stops. And it, it really is a nonstop, literally from seven o'clock in the morning to midnight uh, of doing stuff. And uh, I, I think that it, it is really hard. But like I said, it's really rewarding because this is what it takes to win. And if you're going to do it and run, you got to do it right. And you got to leave it all on the field. So, you know, we have no idea what Smith is doing. We have no idea what he thinks. Um, we know his polling looks really bad, uh, but we just got to put our head down and work as hard as we can to, you know, hit him, hit him again, and then boost our own campaign. And uh, hopefully, the uh, the the scoreboard and the and the results at the end reflect exactly what we think is going to happen. And we feel very good about what we think is going to happen. Sure, that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, Chris Smith has avoided getting into any kind of face-to-face confrontation with you, not in like some back alley or anything, but you know, <laughs> via via something more legitimate in, in regards to the electoral process, like a forum or or a debate. Is that correct? Yeah, he is. Um, there has been offers from the uh, League of Women's Voters, and then also 
New Jersey 101.5, which is the biggest political radio station, has over a million listeners tuning in on New Jersey 101.5. The main host there, the morning host, Bill Spadia, who is friends with Chris Smith, uh, has said over the, he's been friends with him over the years, and he said, Chris Smith, I, this is a principal thing. He needs to debate Mike Crispy, you know, and he's supporting our campaign. Again, I commend him. You know, a lot of these people who have been around, they got friendships. They don't want to cross Chris Smith. You got You got the biggest radio host in the state of New Jersey saying, listen, I've been friends with Smith. He, so he's objective. I've been friends with Smith. Mike Crispy's got the right message. We need change. They should debate and I'll host the debate. So he has been gracious enough to host it. A million people would listen to that debate. A million. And he does not want to do it. So we can't say, oh, it's not big enough or, oh, I'm above this. That's a million folks who would turn in to listen to Chris Smith and I in a debate. And he and he doesn't want to do it. He's ignored the request now three times. What does that say about him uh, and what he thinks? And he has no social media, so you can't really tweet at him or anything like that. So uh, his plan is to run out the clock and hide and be as invisible as possible and hope that carries him to victory. That's a terrible strategy. It's not the way that elections were intended to be, guys. No, it certainly wasn't, and it's definitely not a uh, America First campaign by any means necessary. So you just have to look at it. it. It seems like what you're doing right now is pretty much the right thing. You're out there, a lot of FaceTime, a lot of events. You're fundraising. You're talking to people. And then he's just kind of hopefully saying that, okay, this looks like a legitimate challenge. I'm going to kind of hide and, and hope that my career reputation gets me over the finish line. We're at just a, at such a turning point for this country right now. Uh, I, I think it's one of the things that, you know, the, the great people of New Jersey, they kind of understand what's going on. And like you said, when you have people like a longtime friend and supporter, like that guy on the radio is, is trying to get you guys to at least debate or maybe have a forum where you guys could just go back and forth on questions, maybe not even like crush each other head to head. And he won't even do that. It kind of says a lot to uh, maybe the worry factor that's going on with his camp. Yeah. I mean, his polling uh, from what we hear, uh, you know, he's polling at about 40%. Um, that's his approval rating. It's the lowest that of any incumbent in the state of New Jersey in the Republican or the Democrat party. So he is the lowest approved of member of Congress in the state. Um, and he's flown under the radar for a while. He's been a single issue congressman, uh, you know, and everything else he's left on, he's right on one issue. Uh, and then he's left on literally everything else. And as the public learns about that, and they learn about the fact that he was sworn in when Jimmy Carter was the outgoing president, right? Cause he was sworn in on January 3rd, 1980. Uh, Ronald Reagan assumed the presidency on January 20th, 1980. Uh, that just goes to show you, I mean, the guy has never been primaried in 42 years. He probably doesn't even know what he probably doesn't know what to do. So, I mean, I will talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere about anything and not shy away from it. And I think that's what every representative needs to do. And I've said people have listened to my show. They've listened to my broadcast. I'll be the same exact way in Congress. I will speak candidly. I will never filter myself. And that's what every member should do. But unfortunately, guys, and you've seen this from interviewing so many people and being around uh, and covering these things. Most of the politicians, even many of them on our side, on the Republican side, are rehearsed. They're robotic. They say what their pollsters tell them to say. And it's just not the way it's supposed to be. So, right. you know, I think we're changing that culture with good America first folks all over the country. You know, the people who come on this show who hopefully will join, uh, you know, together next year and form a coalition of, you know, America first members uh, that are going to have a loud voice uh, in the Republican caucus in Congress. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that that technically for us is is the end game right there. You know, we're trying to uh, promote a lot of these campaigns. Anyone who comes on as possible and get them the support they need. But at the end of the day, we're hoping that when they get up into the Beltway, it's going to be one of those things where, uh, you know, you guys kind of band together and uh, really fight back at the legislative level and with things like oversight and, uh, you know, just holding up those America First principles, which is what I wanted to talk about. You know, it's a big uh, primary day today, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, yeah. Oregon, Idaho, uh, big, big races out there. Uh, I know Pennsylvania has kind of become like a, a timber box for <laughs> – Everything Wild. that's going, yeah, you've you've got everybody from, I mean, Sean Hannity versus uh, Jack Posobiec is probably one of the biggest battles right now between social media and television. And, uh, you know, someone who's outside looking in, but looking to participate with a lot of those guys up there in uh, Washington, D.C. next year. What do you see coming out of Pennsylvania? What a wild, what a wild election there. I mean, it, it really, I mean, first of all, I think uh, uh, Mastriano and uh, Teddy Daniels uh, have it in the bag, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, I think those are the guys uh, to lead that state back onto, you know, the path to freedom. Um, so very excited about the candidacy of those two guys. And then I really, I got to tell you, I'm very unhappy with the way Sean Hannity is behaving. Uh, I watched a clip. I think it was last night's broadcast where he was, and it's like, dude, he's, he's showing a picture of Kathy Barnett marching on January 6th as if he was an MSNBC host and somehow trying to get his viewers to think that that's disqualifying for her. Excuse me. She was in the street on Washington, D.C., walking down the street, peacefully protesting on January 6th. And Sean Hannity is putting that on the screen as an attack on her. That's disgraceful. It really is disgraceful. And if you want to talk about, you know, the records and all this and listen, Oz and Kathy and it's coming down to the wire. And, you know, I think, you know, there's good and there's bad and all these things, you know, different cause and effect. But I did not like the fact that Hannity went after her being a January 6th, because again, the January 6th thing, we all know what happened there. We all know uh, about the, uh, the setup that it was. So her being there on January 6th, why is he talking about that? You know, I don't like that. He's talking about that. No, it was pretty interesting to see that narrative yesterday. And I watched the segment actually twice. I went back and watched it a second time when it was on reruns uh, because I try to get everything in my brain and then process it and see what their angle was. And, you know, he said, like, oh, there she is on January 6th, walking down whatever street, walking with the Proud Boys, with people who have been identified as the Proud Boys. And, you know, I really don't think that that's neither here nor there in regards to anything that happened that day or what she did. You know, he did, you know, put a semicolon right there and said, well, you know, she's claimed to not go inside the Capitol, blah, blah, blah. But I think uh, an 11th hour kind of scumbag move like that doesn't do anything for the voting process, doesn't do anything in regards to their actual head-to-head matchup. And uh, believe me, for all the red flags that Dr. Oz and, and Kathy Barnett present just by themselves, I don't really think you need to, like, add some icing on the cake with, like, a, a hit piece like that that Sean Hannity had last night. Yeah, I mean, you know, keep it, you know, keep it focused on, you know, what they've said in the past. And I always say this in my campaign, like, Look at what I said. It's all plainly out there. So if you plainly want to go after, you know, something specifically that Kathy said, great. If you want to go after something that that uh, Oz said, th- there's plenty of subject matter there. But, you know, the January 6th thing, like, come on. The, we all know that the people at January 6th, uh, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of them, uh, you know, were peaceful. And many of them have been harassed by the FBI and these and these bureaucratic institutions. So I don't like a, a right wing host 
glorifying that and glorifying, you know, treating that as misconduct. Uh, because we all know that what happened with January 6th, most of it uh, was the setup to divert us from the election fraud conversation, right? They wanted to get off of that. So I think that it's important we keep that uh, uh, boundary. And then if you look at uh, primary day in North Carolina, which obviously is coming up, uh, you got the races going on there. Um, obviously, Bud is going to win in a big way. Sure. Uh, McCrory is a is a pathetic rhino. Uh, and then you got uh, uh, Sandy Smith versus McCarthy's candidate. Um, I like Sandy Smith in that race. We do, too. Uh, I hope I hope that she wins. They're throwing big time attack ads at her. Think about the money that's being wasted. You donate your money to the Republican Party. And what do you get? You get Republican on Republican feud uh, with with the McCarthy group spending millions of dollars against Sandy Smith. Give me a break. Just like others spending money to help Chris Smith against me. It's like, so donate your money to candidates, not to interest groups controlled by the RNC, first of all. And then you want to look at another race. Uh, you know, what do you guys think about the whole Cawthorn situation? You know, Trump put out a tweet the other day. You guys see that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think the people that are, they feel that are most a threat to continue on uh, their progression in, in D.C. And, and move up into things like committee work and, and, and oversights and things like that, like Madison Cawthorn's probably going to be. You definitely know he doesn't line up ideologically with the uh, – with the establishment, but it'll be interesting to see. I think he's going to be fine, but but at the yeah. same time, I just think that, uh, you know, when you see the attacks come hard, it's, it's like they do the same thing to MTG, but then when you see those big votes like the Ukraine bill one come up last week, you see people like MTG and Mass and Cawthorn voting against it. So they're holding up the MAGA agenda in Washington, D.C., so that's why they continue to get the endorsement and the uh, the, the love and praise from Donald Trump. Yeah, you got it. I think, I think uh, you know, obviously there's been some – Stuff out there on Cawthorn that's dropped, but I think that ideologically he's our kind of guy. Um, I think he will withstand the blows. I think he will win, um, and uh, I think he's going to be. I think he's he's going to use this experience to uh, better himself, and obviously, I think he's going to you know go on to do big things. And you know, Trump certainly uh, you know endorsed that statement the other day on Truth. So uh, I think that's really good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a wild next couple of weeks. Uh, with these elections going on, you got Georgia next week and then you got New Jersey. Uh, so a lot going on. And, and I just hope that the people that we elect, you know, are, are real America first fighters and that turnout in the primary is at an all time high. That's what I hope. I just hope that primary turnout is high. So the will of the people is felt uh, and not the fact that the swamp has been relying on people not to turn out uh, for the last you know couple of cycles. because That's how they stay in power. So I hope it's very high turnout. Yeah, so do we, and we, we want to be able to direct all of our listenership to continue to support you and your endeavors as you're moving towards that big, big primary date of uh, June 7th right now. So as we're getting ready to cut with you, Mike, yeah. uh, listen, website, social medias, we want people funneling money into that campaign. We want anybody that's listening right now today in, in the great state of New Jersey, contact Mike's campaign. Do well, Listen, I, he will put you to work. I'll tell you that. So, you know, if you... If you don't like the fact that we just sent $40 billion over to the Ukraine and in New Jersey, you got empty shelves, you got gas price of $5 a gallon. If you don't like that, and you don't like the fact that Chris Smith voted for it and he has been simping for Ukraine since day one. And since day one, I said, we cannot fall into this Ukraine trap. And Republicans, guys, the, you know, the old timer Republicans said to me, oh, Mike, you can't speak that way. They come up to me in the media. People here like Ukraine. It's a bipartisan thing. No, you fell for it, guys. 
because that it's COVID, BLM, and Ukraine. They started the narrative. It was, people suspiciously started parroting it all over the place. And what did that lead to? Virtue signaling to the tune of $40 billion, which fueled the military industrial complex. Smart people like us knew it was coming. And now the general electorate knows about it. It's been exposed. And they're not going to take someone like Chris Smith voting for that and then smiling in their face and saying, I'm helping you. No way. So if you don't like that, go to MikeCrispy.com, M-I-K-E-C-R-I-S-P, as in PizzaI.com. And uh, you got the donate link, the volunteer link, anything anybody wants to do in New Jersey or around the country. uh, You know, we would love the support because in 21 days, uh, we are going to take the Chris Christie run New Jersey GOP, flip it upside on its head and uh, restore America first values back to this district and uh, back to this state. And uh, it's going to send a shockwave uh, around the country. Uh, Listen, it's been a long time coming. You're doing a hell of a job. Hey, at the end of the day, you've got this show's full and total endorsement. You know, we love you, Mike. Yep. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing because in 21 days, you're going to be helping to make New Jersey great again. It's been a long time coming. This is the America First candidate looking to represent New Jersey four in the upcoming 2022 midterm elections. Mr. Mike Crispy, thanks for joining us again on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. And we will see you back very soon. Take care, sir. It was really good hearing from uh, our good friend Mike. He's run a hell of a campaign there. They're down to. You know, the 11th hour crunch time, June 7th, big primary. If you're outside of the state of New Jersey, make sure you're donating to his America First campaign. If you're in the state of New Jersey, you make sure you contact Mike on social media and, or, or via his campaign website, making sure you're getting out there and uh, helping him out as they're trying to get 40-year incumbent Rhino Republican Chris Smith out of there. Yeah, he is exactly the people you want in there because they're energetic, they're, they're gifted, they're positive, and they want to make change. Exactly. They're not there just to be there they're there to to get to business yeah and when he talks about running a campaign the right way i mean just, i would expect nothing less from that guy with all of our interactions in the past his show just his energy level yeah it's epic I imagine mike up at that podium talking to the speaker of the house next year and Oof. Yeah, it, it'll be like a monologue <laughs> from red white and truth i don't know if there will be as many f-bombs yeah, which he's notorious for, but I love Mike's energy. He might, Listen, he might slip. When, when it comes to our great friends from New Jersey, both uh, Mike Crispy and Ian Smith, they are both running outstanding campaigns right now. The polling is very favorable for both of them, but they're going to need your guys' help to get over the finish line. So our listenership is known uh, for being extremely hands-on. So get your hands on both of those campaigns. Show them some love. Show them some money, and let's get two America First candidates. And, uh, show me the money. Yeah, up into the uh, general election after the primaries and in, in just a few weeks here. Um, we always talk about how great Matt Gates' speechwriter has been as of late. He's he's had some epic rants up there, but it's I mean, com- are we giving him enough credit? Maybe he writes some of those himself. Well, I mean, when he goes on talk shows, he definitely hits all the talking points that he hits up in the yeah. halls of Congress on a regular basis. But I just think when he's reading like those five to ten minutes, oh yeah, I'm sure that's um, it's prepared to some extent. But I mean, like, but there's a lot to be said for people that can't like I cannot retain information enough like like the way that you retain information you want to talk about bellwether states i am not that guy like i can't do the my eyes roll back in the head like a shark and like like you said but i wish i was like that sometimes you know that's why i'm you know i don't talk as much on the show but when it comes to something like that like people that have that talent oh he's got it they are meant to do this job you know he's not like a aoc who doesn't know what fuck is going on you know matt knows what's going on he knows his shit and he's confident you well know? aoc can rattle off the specials i'm sure pretty good 
while she's like sitting there just like memorizing lines and s- the same talking point bullshit. Yeah, it's like the menu. Not <laughs> not directly re- related to our last news segment today, which is just going to be a news mash. It's going to be a couple different things, but relevant just crossing across the uh, the ticker here on the bottom of the screen. Uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has put out a statement that uh, we are we are preparing currently to um, for the end of Title Forty Two in, in a week. Mm. Mm. What's the matter, Noah? That guy's such an asshole. <laughs> you know who else is? Apparently, Kamala Harris is a speechwriter. They have not <laughs> been able to fix that hot mess at all. And she was on it. I, I actually, maybe she is writing <coughs> her own speeches. That could be. That could very well be the case. It gets worse and worse. It's like a she fucking shitty book report. Became, before she became vice president, right? She was better. You know, I feel like she was so much more on point. With even though I didn't agree with most of the shit she would say, I, I think that they just can't let her be likable because it's dangerous for old Joe. Good point. Like they don't want her to eclipse him. So like to some extent, I feel like her speechwriter is like, you know what? We're going to make her sound like a little bit more of an asshole than she really is. And definitely retarded. Like there's yeah. a lot of sabotage behind the scenes going on there. Oh, they're so definitely like, don't get along. Undercover. They're not, they're not high fiving after the speeches. They're, no, they're she- walking to different dressing rooms and, and, they're plugging yeah. Joe back in. Yeah, she's she's lost over sixty percent of of her uh, original administration staff since the start of the presidency. Wild. I don't think that's ever happened. No, before. not not a, like over the course of of, of four yeah, year hemorrhaging term. people. No, yeah. not no. a normal thing. Like and people want to stick around. Like when when you're on quote unquote the winning team. Like why would you leave? Right. Exactly. Well, she attended the Aishan Summit this week. It's it's kind of a globalist work together Aishan Summit, and uh, yeah. she was talking there about working together and continuing to work together and addressing these issues together. Together seems to be the theme. Let's hear her articulate only the way she can. I often note and have talked with many of you um, about our shared belief that our world is increasingly more interconnected and interdependent. That is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues to tackle these challenges together and to work together oh. as we continue to work together operating from the new norms, rules and agreements that we will convene together. to work together on yes. to galvanize global action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she sounded she gave me like an air vibe of Obama for a second there when she, when you started playing the clip. Well, everybody, everybody they all tried to do the cadence and the yeah. you know like well this is well, here we are. Gavin Newsom was hitting it last week. <laughs> Together again. But she comes off as just retarded Obama. Together. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And once I mean, again, Obama, we're going to make... He's, my, he's coherent and... Make America together again. You know, together. I was I was watching her mannerisms in her face while she was reading that, and she was going back between teleprompter left and teleprompter right, and obviously you could tell she was reading fast, and then she went back and started to read the same lines, but then catch up with where she was supposed to be, and it oh, just yeah. turned into a... Typical Kamala moment. Yeah, she's trying. She's trying so hard. Ahead of time and is looking at what she's having to read off. Yeah, they try to look like they're doing it off the cuff, but you know, I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's like it's only one person that can do it. Yeah, or just not use it at all. He's labeled it the fake news teleprompter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, in in a topic that I don't want to talk about, Antoinette and Noah. I know you guys both have concerns about this, but I know your interest levels are both at negative, as is mine, and probably is the MAGA base is the impending baby formula shortage that we're having yeah. around the world. No, it's an important thing. It's 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 Not fucked up for sure. Important level 
Importance level high. Yeah. Interest level super. Oh much. no, nobody cares about it. But it, but along that line, so what is it? There's just like a few companies that make baby formula. Three. So there's a, there's yeah, basically a. Three, I believe three. Don't quote me, but it's three, not six. It's yep. three or six that own all of the baby formula in the entire country, the supply. And then because of one of them getting shut down, that's what caused this entire inherent crisis of what the baby formula. The reason for the shutdown. Was. Right. It was yeah. a combination of something with the Biden administration and the FDA collaborating. Yeah. So they didn't, cool. they probably didn't pay somebody <laughs> for something. I, I heard it was, And this is manufactured, I think. This is all manufactured because yep. the FDA, the FDA outlawed European formula to come into the country because it doesn't meet their standards. Mind you, the standards of that European formula is a hundred times better than any of the best formula in America that we have. Yeah, European I mean, health standards are off the chart compared to us. Incredible, incredible. It's it's bizarre. So I'm helping friends that, a few friends that just had, um, they have little infants and they can't breastfeed because some women just can't do it. They can't produce enough milk and, and all that crazy stuff. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help them find a way to get this formula from from Europe. It's you know. Yeah, it's crazy because I used to have it imported, and my uh, my mother in law used to from England used to send it to me. You're a baby and, formula trafficker. Mm. <laughs> baby formula trafficker, come and arrest me. It's it, and it's crazy. One box of oh, a lot less than what you get here typically. You know, of that pure pure. Of the pure pure. <laughs> Do you have is to like cut it? Six, seven, it's six seven pound or or euro in uh, six to ten. Let's just say. Wait, pound as in the the money British, or British pound? Oh right, I thought we were not kilos. Not kilos. <laughs> no, no. Answered, just for our listening America, audience. Do you, do you own fish scales? Fish scales. Yeah. What's that? What do you mean? What they cut the drugs on and then <laughs> weigh it out. <laughs> like a gram scale. Yeah. Okay, oh, so I have that for food, like scales, like the electronic scales. Yeah, if you could do in your macros and shit like that, you might do it. Yeah. But okay, so when back, you do keto and all that, <laughs> let, let's step away from uh, the uh, steak for breakfast. Tra- kick you out of ketosis. Trafficking, trafficking of uh, baby formula. Uh, so okay, we had all these companies mm-hmm. that were mobilized immediately by uh, changing their their business, basically alcohol companies. Uh, making hand sanitizer for this right. f- for the f- quote unquote pandemic. My pillow, my pillow. Making PPE. Making PPE. Pillow PE. Mm. But okay, so how, like, how in depth could baby formula really be? I'm sorry, I'm on Giza Dream face mask. No, and that's the point I was trying to make is since we're so called in a so called shortage. Yeah, why aren't we repurposing fucking protein powder companies, which there are fucking yeah. trillions of? Yeah, Good point. but right now, right now, more than ever, they're cracking down on parents trying to import this formula that I said from Europe, which is way better t- to begin with. To you know, well, you want to get Bill Gates's uh, synthesized breast breast milk. No, but if they can't milk? get formula, they're, now they're judges. cracking down harder and not letting them get any formula, and and they're shutting down all the organic companies that can import from Europe for these parents that can't get it at the store. Yeah, it's just, but, it know, screams manufactured crisis. Yeah, and it's it's bizarre. And it you screams, know, like, talk about this, not this. And yeah. it, also, it also screams like the big expose that's come from the border, which people were, were hypothesizing on being pallets of baby formula last week, has turned into shipping containers and tractor trucks full for all yeah, the people coming into the, the United border. States illegally. Yeah, well, and we get well, it. I, I get it. Storm the border. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, to some extent, like the solution isn't that we shouldn't be giving 
these migrant children baby formula. The, the oh, solution is not. we shouldn't be dealing with as many migrant ch- children as we are. Bingo. And yes, it is the law that you have to take care of these migrant children. And if there was a supply chain issue with baby formula to the point where it was affecting the federal government, then maybe something would change on importation. But they, f- quite frankly, just don't give a shit about American citizens. Like a warp speed no, for the pro- and they for have the- more, oh, way yeah. more than they need. They have way more than they need at the border for these migrants anyway, which is crazy because... Well, they're, they're expecting a, a large push in migrants. That's why they're probably yeah, not going to want to give up any of their stash. Oh, or stockpile. Stockpile. Big Nance weighed in this weekend. Nobody likes her. She was on uh, st- <laughs> wine coolers. No, well that too. But uh, I'm trying to figure. I tried to remember the names of the uh, seven hundred dollar ice cream. Donald Trump. No, he renames all the shows. This was CNN oh. State of the Union. I think it was State of the Fake Union. Yeah, or something. And uh, she, apparently, she's forgotten who's in control of the entire Congress and the White House. Let's hear her Fake way. Fake of in. the Union. <laughs> there you go. In addition to all of this, we have to subject these companies to some scrutiny about the safety of this and and how it, we got to a place where we have babies crying in our country because they're hungry yeah. and the shelves are bare. But we have to fill them immediately. Uh, that was you. Yeah, that was you. That was your team. And maybe mm-hmm. you should give the baby some ice cream, like gum their teeth with, with a little ice cream, make them stop crying so or, much. Or whiskey. There you go. <laughs> That's just going to make them pass out. One of Antoinette's favorite fire brands. I saw her yesterday. They were doing a little roundtable on this, obviously, because it's on the five. Um, Judge Janine weighed in on this whole supply chain issue. And, and you know, they were they were volleying back and forth. You know, Geraldo was being an enormous douche. And then Greg Guckfield was being, like, the the guy who's, like, trying to get everybody annoyed. And, and, and she just basically cut him off and, and, and threw onto it. She got the final thought. Let's hear her way in on it. This infuriates me because I was on the prowl yesterday looking for formula for my daughter's baby. Yeah. I am so sick of this. Okay. How do you feel about Mayor she Pete? Just, Mayor I'm, Pete. Uh, Come on. First of all, I want, I want to talk about Karen and John Pierre. Okay? okay. She said when we first heard about this in February. She did she not Karen. say yes, that? Yes, she did. That was a lie. Mm. Okay. Because Xavier Becerra said what Health and Human Services said we heard about it last year. We'll get to right. that in now, a minute. We know that in September or October was when the whistleblower called mm. and the FDA heard about it. They say in October, they decided to show up in December uh, or to make an agreement to go there. January, they go there. February, they shut it down. What have you been doing since February? Since February, they decided that they would help people, women, infant, and children, poor people, access the other brands that they mm. might not be able to access. Okay, and the border people, they have formula, but the middle class can't get the formula. Mm. I know I've been trying to do this. Pete Buttigieg, this is the same guy who made believe he rode to work on a bicycle, except the SUV pulls up, he takes the bike off the back of the SUV, puts on his helmet and rides to work. Okay, he's a fool. When he he says there is nothing more urgent, I know he is lying. He is lying because opening up the Abbott plant which is only being opened up pursuant to a consent decree that has to yet be signed by a judge Mm -hmm. is because the country's going crazy. And Geraldo, what you were talking about with suburban women, I'll tell you what, dollars to donuts. You've got suburban women who are are fighting with the teachers and the school boards. You've got suburban women who can't get mothers and grandmothers who can't get formula for babies. Great. Now I want donuts. Against the abortion women any day of the week. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. What do you think, Antoinette? 
I think he's great. <laughs> I love Judge. What if uh, Buttigieg uh, volunteered to feed all the babies himself with his chest feeding rig? What are you talking about, Mayor Pete's <laughs> breast milk alternative? Well, you no, know, back back in the day in the old country, it's a uh, bicycle neighbor. churned. <laughs> Back in the day in the old country, women that couldn't produce milk, they'd have the neighbor breastfeed their children yes. and the mom couldn't produce. Yes, that, that is 100% fact. Well, and there are, I mean, there are the uh, the recipes for for infant formula from back in the 50s and 60s. I mean, granted, you're giving your kids, like, modified caro syrup and stuff yeah. like that. But, I mean, why wouldn't this administration either be helping by giving people realistic alternatives instead of just leaving them in the lurch. You know, th- there are several tweets and truths that I'll post over the course of the week. It'll be a reposting of a video or a specific tweet or truth. More tweets because you don't see a lot of the progressive left on, on Truth Social yet saying, like, every day I hope you realize how much they actually hate you. Yeah. It will be the narrative. And, and it's just something absolutely sinister like this whole narrative. Um, so what do do we know what the specific issue was that shut down these plants? Yes, I, I did find out. You're never going to believe this. It's probably hard for a lot of our listenership to wrap their brain did out. Did they go over the percentage of uh, rat feces that was allowed to be inside uh, food? Close. It was uh, back payments and caught up in litigations for EPA standards. Wow. So, oh, so we're fucking uh, ourselves again. Dollars going to Ukraine and the people at the border are being taken care of, but they can't handle this situation for the 300 plus million. Americans. No, it's, it's a it's another, <laughs> another latent just example up. of our green nonsensical fucking ideals of what we're going to do. EPA violations for a fucking infant formula factory, baby formula factory. Hey, remember what uh, what with what Jim Lombardi told us about when he came on, how, you know, they used to make up in the, uh, in the blue wall States, 100% of the world's penicillin. Yeah. yeah. And because of EPA standards and environmental regulations and stuff like that, we now make 0% in the United States. So right. what, what kind of EPA shit is happening from producing penicillin? These all stem from the, uh, like, like mushroom fucking. Well, you, you'll, you'll, you'll be pleased to know these all stem from, remember this is from October of last year. So this is all stemming from those executive orders that Joe Biden went in an attempt to help cancel the deregulations of the prior mm. administration. Oh, perfect. So Trump another one of policies. those another one of those things where we're going to undo everything the last guy did just out of spite. And then when it fucks us over, we're going to redo it and take credit for it. Speaking right. of people we don't give credit to, we always tend to point out how the people in the Biden administration, especially in their cabinet, are some of the most unqualified and unprepared people that you could ever imagine being put into the highest levels of government. Well, it's, I mean, I, you, you, how many people are you going to get to volunteer for this job? We, we forget qualified. all the time one of California's former all-stars and someone who has never worked in health and human services, piece of shit, Xavier Becerra, who's oh. now the health and human services secretary. Let's hear him give a little bit of explanation on all this as Judge Janine T. So you're, you are satisfied with the government's response throughout this? I'm sorry, say again? You're satisfied with the government's response throughout this? From everything I've, I've known, and FDA has kept me apprised of this from last year, uh, we have been moving as quickly as we can. Good for him. So, yes or no? The answer was, of course, no. I like the uh, say again. Let me think about the answer here. He was, or one of his fucking aides is be like, this is how you should solve all this one. 
Now I don't know if they're in and out of session. I don't. I don't know exactly. Listen, if anybody's holding it down, it's four-star Admiral Randy Levine, who's the assistant Health and Human Services Secretary. <laughs> Forgot about that thing. But he was remote out here in California, not doing his job in Washington. Does anybody hear the word Becerra, or the name Becerra, and just not think asshole? Because that's what first comes to my mind. He looks like a huge asshole. He is too. the. Oh, so he, he's surrounded by assholes. For our listenership out here, he destroyed our state for years and years oh. before he took that cabinet position in Washington, like D.C. There's, like, there's probably people that are Democrats that don't even like him. No, no, no. The I re- mean, I say probably, I mean, there is. And is that bad? That, that must be. That, must I mean, be you got to be bad for your own team to <laughs> yeah. eat you. Not, sure. I don't want to call it replacement theory, but Tucker Carlson oh. weighed in on it last <laughs> night and said, illegal immigrant children are going to be more inclined to get baby formula at an easier and more accessible rate than you are. Let's hear him give the narrative that everybody's been talking about all day. You're seeing footage from our Bill Malusian right on the screen, one of the only reporters who's been covering the disaster at our border. The pictures you're looking at show a group of more than 100 illegal aliens crossing into this country to Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, there are only two Border Patrol agents on the scene. Clearly, they're outmatched. By the way, they're not coming from Mexico. They're coming from faraway places like Venezuela and Cuba, which, by the way, is an island. Why are they coming? Because Joe Biden left our screen door open. Once they get here, the Biden administration will give them food supplies that you can't buy. And those would include baby formula. A Florida congresswoman called Kat Kamek says these illegal aliens are getting, quote, pallets of baby formula from the Biden administration. As Kamek put it, quote, they're sending pallets, pallets of baby formula to the border. Meanwhile, in our own district here at home, we cannot find baby formula. We reached out to Customs and Border Protection to find out how much baby formula the agency has purchased. They would not tell us. It's not their duty to respond to the public, apparently, but they didn't deny that they had bought it. A spokesman told us that, quote, ensuring migrants have formula is in line with this administration's commitments. So how much more are these people going to take, you wonder? It's too- mm-hmm. How much more are these people going to take? Right. Let, let me add real quick for any others that are having trouble with getting formula i just thought of it but my, my son's three and a half now but so i was trying to go back in my brain to think of like solutions or ways to help there are milk banks where mothers donate their milk for mothers that can't produce or you know they can't afford formula or they can't get their hands on formula where it's for where it's free so search in your area like check up facebook groups of mothers that there i'm sure there are like right now especially with the shortage that moms are like you know Right, you know, going hard right now, trying to help other moms because they know what it's like, you know, to struggle and, and whatever. But yeah, check your local area. Go to like, you know, check Facebook groups and um, look up, you know, uh, donated uh, milk, uh, milk banks. And we do know based off of the demographics we see from all of mm-hmm. our, you know, components of, of the shows and stuff like that, our social medias, et cetera. There are a lot of women, mom aged women who listen to this show. Listen. Get on our social medias. Look for people that might be posting about it. Just like Antoinette says, find these support groups and, and do yourself a favor. Make your whole life a lot easier. Get with the people who, you know, support our values and support the things that we champion on this show. And, and I guarantee you'll find some plausible solutions to some of the problems you're having, at least regarding this issue, right? Yeah, reach out because, like, you know, people want to, you know, our, our community, we're the type of people that want to help each other. So help is there. And hopefully everybody is all right and there's a solution in the end and this doesn't go on for too long but i saw a meme and it was uh oh shit i can't remember the name of the account but it was uh when i start smuggling uh infant formula back from mexico 
and it was like the Tony Montana yeah. <laughs> sticking his face in the big pile. Oh, that was somebody from our, from our group chat. I, I know it. They, they did the same one with Zelensky and the money from last week, which is consequently is what we're segueing to now. So apparently the Russia Ukraine or the Russia Ukraine thing and and the, that big bill that was proposed last week. Uh, it's it's getting kind of ugly. On Monday night, eleven GOP senators opposed a vote to advance the forty mil, billion, excuse me, billion with B's, billions and billions, Ukraine aid aid, aid package. Among the no camp, potential twenty twenty four contender, hopefully for vice president, Josh Hawley was one of them. Uh, but the Ukraine vote moves ahead, eighty one to eleven vote, putting on track to clear the chamber later this week. The no votes came from fiscal conservatives who criticized the package. Um, obviously, Rand Paul was one of them. Josh Hawley was another. Um, but but people who the, well the pieces of shit in Congress, the fifty seven yes votes came from a lot of the typicals led by Mitch McConnell, et cetera. We'll, we'll get to his clip in a second. Um, you know, Republican uh, Hawks said the bill isn't perfect, but it's an investment uh, in degrading Russia's capabilities over the long term. I don't agree with that. Senator Rob Portman, piece of shit from Ohio, put it this way. If there's a gap in funding, Russians could have a breakthrough. So it's a critical time. Listen, at this point, we're, we're, we're basically paying for the Afghan war again. Um, some of those other senators, like I mentioned, uh, Josh Hawley and Rand Paul. It was also Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, Tom Cotton. They were all the Nova or uh, the no votes. They were the ones that you know, we're kind of leading the cause with us. And I did have, you know, we like to do this on the show when we get into this. Um, actually, I do have the full list right here. Here we go. Rand Paul, Senator Hawley, Mike Crapo, Bill Haggerty, Mike Braun, Marsha Blackburn, John Boozman, Roger Marshall, Cynthia Loomis, Tommy Tuberville. Those are your 11 senators who voted against it. I misspoke and said Tom Cotton did. He was a yes. What? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Tom uh, Cotton's like the shittier version of Josh Hawley, and Josh Hawley's not perfect himself. But Tom, you know, we've had so many people on this show who were actually in Congress or in in Washington last year, former Trump administration officials, that said uh, Tom Cotton was running around like a little bitch on January sixth, saying like, "Oh, they're literally trying to overturn the election. We have to just vote Joe Biden in." So, wow, you know, back. yeah, it's one of those things. But we did break down some of the numbers as we like to do for you guys in the show because we don't want to just virtue single and said money for Ukraine is bad or let you think that Russia is good. Here's where that money is going to um, twenty billion dollars for the Department of Defense out of that forty billion dollar bill. $17 billion for U.S. military operations, including Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, and to replace U.S. military equipment that's already been damaged or destroyed in Ukraine. $1.8 billion for U.S. Mil- military equipment that is going to go to Ukraine that's new. $414 million for, I'm quoting now, research, development, tests, and evaluations related oh to the Ukraine war. So we're paying $414 million for online war game simulations. <laughs> Video games, essentially, and we've seen more footage of that than we have of actual war, so maybe that's a good investment. $15 million for U.S. troop pay related to the war, question mark, question mark, question mark. $13.9 million for the defense health program. Is that vaccines for our soldiers or vaccines for our soldiers again? Oh, perfect. And we've got some, a couple other bangers in here. Um, $500 million for the European Bank Reconstruction and Development. $190 million for the State Department for, quoting now, diplomatic programs. Uh, $150 million for global agriculture and food security. Oh, come on. $17 million for United States Agency for International Development, in quotes, U.S. aid. $10 million for the State Department's Capital Investment Fund. Capital. Capital. Not capitable. <laughs> $2 million for salaries and expenses to provide oh. regulatory and technical support. And $1 million uh, to the Office of Inspector General. There's your Oh, Perfect. Quid pro quo. Are these things ever audited? 
Well, no, but that's what that's what they're trying to to have. They're trying to have a an inspector general uh, verify where this money's going. Yep, that's what that's what held it up. Right. That's what uh, what Rand Paul wanted to institute. Yeah, Rand Paul. Yeah, a tweet. A tweet. Time, they a, tried at least a tweet from Josh Hawley late last night uh, talked about this, and and I'm going to read it now. Spending forty billion dollars on Ukraine aid. More than three times what all of Europe has spent combined, that makes our number of $7 billion accurate, reported on last week, Perfect is not, is not. not in America's interest. <laughs> it neglects priorities at home, i.e. the border, allows Europe to freeload as they've always done, shortchanges critical interests abroad, and comes with no meaningful oversight. And Fantastic. Good and the, the, the amount of just completely out of touchness that the general populace is on how this works. So I posted uh, an image of a tweet from Thomas Massey saying, Congress has spent almost $500 per U.S. family to support the war in Ukraine. The money isn't being borrowed, it's being printed, Mm. and the result will be more inflation. Yes. No lies detected. Completely Mm. factual. So I've got... Sounds like one of our tweets. I've got two people who are recurring guests in my DMs. Okay. Not on our show, though. Two guys that I like. I, I mean, they're they're nice guys. I, I love both of them. But Remember what they Donald are, Trump said last week, there, there are good rhinos. <laughs> right, yeah. But these these two guys are the one like, they keep just, like, reappearing in my inbox every time I post something, and I can tell they're big mad about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys, I just keep telling him to, like, keep his pom-poms high. <laughs> nice. Like for his, uh, you yeah. know, his, his, I basically just said... He, 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 at one point he told me something and I was like, wow, you've completely, I think I might have mentioned this show. You've completely changed my mind. Where, where do I get my Joe Biden pom-poms? But like, (laughs) this is how out of touch people are, what they think, how this works. It's, it's like, this isn't like the Lendly stuff that we had in World War II. Right. I mean, this is completely different. If you think we're getting any of this back, you're out of your mind. He literally goes in response to that. We signed a Lendlease. We'll be billing them, buddy. We're, we're going to send him a bill. We're going to send wow. the third most the corrupt country <laughs> in the world who's already been caught with their politicians' wives taking suitcases of money out. <laughs> we're going to send them a fucking bill if they even exist as a country after all this is yeah, over. I think the best. We're going to bill them. The best tweet I saw over the weekend. Oh, and then the other guy just said, tax the rich. That's, that's his new theme, tax the rich. Good for him. Even though oh, the rich are the people who want to do this. But there are a lot of rich people that are self-made that don't deserve to be taxed up the ass. No, for sure. But, I mean, like, who are our top earners? Pelosi. I mean, people like, above, t- like, tax, I mean, uh, 400000 is not that much, yeah. in my opinion, nowadays, considering, you know, everything that's been going on. But the whole tax. Shout out to all our crypto investors. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I'm just, who got crushed in the last few weeks no listen you know a lot of, a lot of people are talking about this i, I think the I be- should have sold that dodge coin <laughs> the best tweet i saw over the weekend it was a, it was a split screen of nancy pelosi with with uh Zelensky, and then this weekend i don't know if you saw noah 82 year old mitch mcconnell led a delegation to who's older mcconnell or pelosi they're both 82 they're both 82 yeah Jesus. but he led a delegate dele- delegation a, to ukraine this weekend death race and and met with so, so the two people who have championed the most how terrified they were that our institutions, our sacred institutions were getting overthrown by a whole bunch of boomers shitting on their desks and breaking their laptops on January 6th. Went to a war zone with no fucking protection whatsoever. Yes, yes. (laughs) So that's where we're at. So they they flew. They probably flew a private jet into there too. They flew their private jet into a war zone. They definitely weren't flying coach. 
No. Because, I mean, there's no fucking airlines going over that area anymore, right? It's our taxpayer dollars. <laughs> Fuck. Switching gears now, looking at the economy a little bit because Ukraine's just an absolute mess, and it's going to be a shame when that bill passes on Friday. Uh, Peter Ducey made Jean Crean feel extremely welcome yesterday and absolutely destroyed her in their first interactions. Oh, she's like starting on a high note. Welcome to the majors. Great. Congratulations. Thanks. Nice to see you up there. Thank you. Uh, the president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? She's flipping um, pages. So... Are you talking about a specific tweet? I just read it. You want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that uh, you know the president has been you know working on uh, every day when we talk now. about inflation and lowering costs. And the so it's very important uh, that uh, you know as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to I think I know, read this book uh, report. You know, build a, 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 America that's safe, uh, that's equal for everyone, and doesn't leave everyone behind. Oh, that is an boxes. important part uh, of that boxes. as well. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost Each of food, my car, the cost of food for everyday Americans. So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, right? Especially those who care about climate change. Wait, let me guess. Uh, oh, to support change. a fair, fair ta- tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, Are they gonna pay cops, for food now? builders, Check a higher boxes. percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation, and not let this, this that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex- existential problem, if you think about that as an example. And to support basic collective bargaining rights as well, right? That's also important. Huh? But look, it is, you know, by not, if, without having a fair tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, the, every, like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have Bet to pay right higher taxes right than yeah. the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes well, at all. Well, what barely have to do with inflation? The president said, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Jeff Bezos yeah. came out and tweeted about uh, that. Bezos he said the newly him. created disinformation board yeah. should review this tweet. Would you be okay with that? Look, it's not a huge mystery why one of the wealthiest individuals on earth, right, opposes an economic agenda uh, that is for the middle class that cuts some of They're the biggest themselves. cost families yeah. face, fights inflation for the long haul, right? And that's what we're talking about. That's why we're so- we're talking about uh, lowering inflation here and adds to the historic deficit reduction the is president it, is achieving is by asking the team? richest taxpayers and corporations to pay their fair share. That is what we're talking about. Okay. Well, Joe Biden just lost his chance to ride on a penis one <laughs> next, time he goes, <laughs> next time he goes into orbit. Yeah, I, I don't get it. it. It seems like whenever they're presented with like actual facts and won't answer the questions, they'll parlay it right into. Isn't Jeff Bezos on their team though? That's what Ducey was saying. Like, right. you know, you have people on your own team here. Like, this guy is not a Donald Trump supporter. He's not an America First agenda large business owner like no he's he's saying joe biden needs to get fact checked on that and she's like well maybe we'll just tax him harder than tax me harder daddy wow yeah. <laughs> like she like i feel like they have like some sort of like uh you know like in the sci-fi movies where they put the contact in and it's got the heads up display or the sunglasses like i think yeah. she has like a like a like a bingo board like superimposed over her eyes and when she's giving these responses bing 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 
Yep. Okay, there's climate change. Bing. Like, there's the other one. Oh, oh. you missed one. And then, like, it highlights the one that she needs to do next. Double word square when you use good ones. Like, here's one. Well, there's you... a free space in the middle, and that's just for racism. Trump adjacent. Ooh. <laughs> you might get two bings for that one. Uh, you mentioned daddies. I'm going to go take it to a next level. Grandpas. D- daddies? America's least favorite grandpa. Leather daddies? Unfrozen for the weekend. <laughs> also Bernie... known as substitute teachers. Bernie Sanders <laughs> met with, well... Everybody's least favorite Democrat pundit, Chuck Todd on Meet the Fake Press, and Ooh. was big mad about how two senators who, well, the Great Wall of Mansion and Miss Sundresses herself have been holding up the Biden administration. Let's hear him bitch and moan about it. Everything you said there who doesn't was like being sundresses? addressed and build back better. Okay? It wasn't as big as you wanted it. It was too big for some. But why do we have nothing? <laughs> right? That is the head scratcher here. Understand you don't have it all. Why no, is it zero? Why is there nothing? It's... Well, it should not be a head-scratcher. you got two members of the Senate, Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema, who have sabotaged uh, <laughs> what the president has been fighting. That's a strong word, uh, sabotage. Sabotage. Well, you helped me out with a better word here. you got 48 <laughs> members of the Senate who wanted to go forward with an agenda that helped working families that was prepared to take on the wealthy and the powerful. you got a president who wanted to do that. You had two people who prevented us from doing it. You have a better word than sabotage, that's fine, but I think that is the right word. And I think pressure has got to be put on the part of people in West Virginia, in Arizona, to say, you know what, why don't you stand up for ordinary Americans, not just your wealthy campaign contributors. Why don't you have the guts to take on the drug companies and the insurance companies and the fossil fuel industry? So let me... (laughs) Sabotage. Another one of those things I'll never get to, but somebody should do is just replace him saying sabotage with the Beastie Boys song. Oh, there you go. Just, you know. I like it. Chuck Todd would go on to break with Bernie Sanders, senator from Vermont, and then go into the new Biden approval rating numbers, which I think will probably not surprise anyone. There's views about the economy begin to harden in an election year around May. That theory holds Democrats are in some serious trouble right now because in our new NBC News poll, just 16 percent say the country's headed in the right direction. While a whopping 75% say we're on the wrong track. Mm. In fact, that wrong track number has been 70 plus for seven months, which in the past has signaled big losses for the governing party. President Biden's numbers have hit a new low. Only 39% approve of his job performance against 56% who disapprove. In fact, the president has now become as unpopular as Donald Trump. Oh, shut the fuck up. That's fake news. And good for him. Wait. As unpopular? Yes. So winning eight mile long car parades, mm-hmm. unpopular hundred mile long car parades in Arizona. Yeah. Not empty Jeep parking lots. <sighs> yeah. That's kind of where we were at with that. Um, yeah, that was like a, that was a Nick sigh. Th- those, those numbers really don't translate though. So we're at five months straight now of 75% of, Dis- severely disapprove of his job, but but they're still saying he's polling around forty percent. So there's like a ghost ten percent there, and it's weird when they talk about those polls back to back. What do you think about that, Antoinette? Can you say that again? Because you cut out. So right now we're at five months straight of Joe yeah. Biden polling. The country is moving in the wrong direction. Over seventy mm-hmm. percent. His polls are moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, <laughs> but but but. They're saying that his overall approval rate is still around 40. Oh, it's fucking bullshit, man. Come on. Really? 
<laughs> do we are we going to believe polls now? <laughs> are you going to believe I Nancy mean, Pelosi? <laughs> not at all. No. I mean, no. The country's never been in a worse state, and his approval rating is that. Yeah, I highly doubt it. Our 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 economy, our energy, our border, everything. everything. National defense worse than than pre and post World War Two. Yep. By a lot, and, and then when you add for inflation against the the current value of the dollar, it's so much worse. I mean, right. we're, we're we're literally hemorrhaging. Like when you get paid now, if, if you work a full time job and you're getting paid forty hours a week, there's like essentially when you talk about like the food and the energy and the fuel cost, sixty percent of your paycheck is gone before you can even like mm-hmm. take anything and put anything in your home, pay any of your bills. Where during the Trump administration we were only losing between thirty five and thirty seven percent, which was which was a really strong economy. Yeah, that's nice. So, I know I miss it. Yeah, I do too. Nancy Pelosi called Trump a creature over the weekend. <laughs> Hello, pot kettle calling. There I we mean, go. we're all creatures. Many Democrats are angry. You're, I know you're one of them. Uh, a lot of people in, in the grassroots are despondent over this draft ruling. And one reason mm. why they're, they're upset is because conservatives have played the long game here. You know this. They have said over and over for decades that this was their goal, to overturn Roe v. Wade, and that Democratic leaders should have seen this coming. I'm sure you've heard well, this, I too. Mean, well, <laughs> No, I mean, the point is, is who would have ever suspected that a creature like Donald Trump would become president of the United States, waiving a list of judges that he would appoint, therefore getting the support of the far right, and appointing those anti-freedom justices to the court. So this is not about long game. We played a long game. We won Roe v. Wade a long time ago. Stop it. We voted to protect it over time. We have have elected a Democratic House of Representatives that is pro-choice. Uh, the again, you had sixty vote thing in the uh, the Senate, uh, and and some lack what? of clarity you on know, top, part of some of the Republicans <laughs> who say they're pro-choice and then vote against a woman's right to choose. But it isn't, it, let's not take our eye off the ball. The ball is this court, which is dangerous to the freedoms of our country. So, oh. Beware in terms of, of uh, marriage equality. Uh, beware in terms of other aspects. She doesn't uh, even know what to say because that, she's not in tune with yeah. any of that stuff. She's just thinking about ice cream, really expensive ice cream. <laughs> it, I had to throw a little Roe v. Wade there. There was a couple good clips from Clarence Thomas, but I think I'm going to save them. Uh, getting closer to the uh, releasing of the information regarding their decision finally. Uh, I believe, I want to say the second week of June is when they're done with the summer, for the summer, and and they don't reconvene until, I think, October 10th. So we will see within the next two, two and a half weeks their final decision on this, and and we all kind of know where it's going. Clarence Thomas assured the uh, group he was sitting in and doing like a town hall with this weekend that the votes that were essentially leaked, which he thought were very dangerous and could be the start of the end of the Supreme Court in the United States, still to this point have not changed. Mm. So that's very that's that's very relieving to hear. In our last audio clip of the day, kind of which encompasses everything, we're going to take it up to the, uh, the big guy, Steve Bannon, weighing in on all things apparatus-related. Um, he's coming off the back end of comments that he was given some commentary on Nancy Pelosi going uh, to Ukraine last weekend and then this weekend Mitch McConnell going. Let's hear him. Then when a complex system collapses, who pays? Who pays for that? 
Who's at the brunt of that collapse? The very people that kept their head down and worked day in and day out and did what they were supposed to do. That's what happens. And that's where the anger comes from. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, Bannon's angry all the time. No, no, no. I'm just looking at the facts. Any reasonable person, if you're not angry, you're not sentient right now. You're not, you're not rational right now. You're not, you don't, you, you're not thinking with the rational part of your brain. Just leave the emotions aside. The anger will build, and it'll build from a different place than just the emotions. It'll build from your intellect. They'll sit there and go, this cannot continue. I like it. Mm-hmm. You know what else I'm going to like is our last guest that's coming in today, kind of late entry to the show, but we're more than happy to have her. She is going to be the uh, chairwoman of the Patriot Freedom Project, and she's working directly to not only help better represent legally, but actually save the lives of a lot of people who are caught up in the January 6th narrative right now. We're going to sit down with Cynthia Hughes here in just a sec. All right, coming in last with us today on the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Very compelling story. She's the chairwoman of the Patriot Freedom Project, and she's got a very personal story to tell about. Not only that, but something to do with her family. We're very lucky to have her on today. Cindy Hughes, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, it's our pleasure. Now, why don't you let our listenership know just what the Patriot Freedom Project is? So Patriot Freedom Project was founded last year, uh, only in the summer, Um, after my nephew was arrested and held in solitary confinement for protesting um, at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, And, you know, realizing that most people were going to be saddled with very biased public defenders, I just kind of went on a crusade to replace our public defender. And when I was able to do that and find our own attorney and um, get him appointed by the court, I realized I could probably help other people. And so um, I launched a like support group for families. And before I knew it, I was talking to the great Julie Kelly um, of American Greatness. And um, and next thing I knew, I was talking to Dinesh D'Souza and Patriot Freedom Project was born. Wow. That just seems to be uh, quite a whirlwind adventure to you. I can't think of two more qualified individuals to help you along that journey as well. Now, so what you're saying, the Patriot Freedom Project is essentially there to help people who aren't getting what they need essentially legally uh, in the court system, especially regarding things related to like January 6th. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, not, this is not even about me, but just on a personal note, um, I, I know what it's like to be a wife of somebody who was incarcerated and that struggle, you know, figuring out, you know, how to make up that lost income. And although my plight with that was very different from what these women are facing, I just kind of felt like, um, why wasn't anybody speaking out what was happening to women and children? Okay. Yes. Your, your, you know, your husband went to the Capitol, whatever, whatever anybody thinks of that, but there's literally women in peril, children in peril. There are wives that have not seen their their husbands in over a year now, not even on like a video chat, literally have not seen their spouses in over a year and children who haven't seen their fathers. And it just, it doesn't sit right with me and nobody's doing anything. Nobody is speaking up with the exception of the great Marjorie Taylor Greene 
you know, the great Matt Gates, the great Andy Biggs, the great Paul Gosar, and the great Louis Gomer, nobody is doing anything from that side of the aisle. And of course, from the other side of the aisle, they're not going to say or do anything either. So where where do you where do you get the help? So I stepped up to help my own family, and it turned into me helping other families. And um, we've done great things. I mean, we've re- we've replaced public defenders on about thirty five cases. Wow! From all the money we've raised, yeah. Um, and you know, we've helped tons of wives. You know, we made sure they had back to school supplies and Halloween costumes for their children and turkey for their Thanksgiving table. We made sure children had, you know, presents for Christmas. Um, We made sure rent was paid, mortgages were paid. We made sure car payments were paid. Um, The list is long. Um, And in addition to all of that, I put together an online mental health community. So now J6 families get free counseling and we have support groups every week. We have Bible study and prayer group. We have a lot of faith leaders involved and we need to just continue to grow this because we need to raise money and we need to continue to re, uh, replace these public defenders because they're still arresting people. Um, I just got a phone call two days ago from a, a, a guy that was arrested in late December. He's been in jail ever since. Mm. Um, he told me his wife and two children are now literally living in a camper. I mean, how, how do we allow this? I mean, we don't, you're not, we don't jail people in pre-trial detention for over a year or over a month when you have no criminal history, you let people come out, you let them bond out, like you let other people bond out and you let them participate in their trial, hook up with their lawyer and provide for their family. But that's not happening with these people because these people are Trump supporters. No, you make a whole lot of sense there. I want to kind of unbox a whole bunch of that stuff because we've talked about it so many times on the show. We've had a lot of the, you know, larger public figures who, listen, whatever they did on January 6th, that's uh, to them and and only to them. But people like Daniel Bostic, Alex Brusowitz, we just had the uh, Ohio 9 Republican nominee, J.R. Majewski, on the show with us uh, earlier in the episode today. He was there as well. And you want to know what? He said, if you're running in political races right now and you're running on the so-called America first agenda and you really want to make America great again and you're not just grifting to get Donald Trump's attention and you weren't in the Capitol on January 6th, not physically maybe in the Capitol building, but there in Washington, D.C., then you really need to question your intentions and your motives. And that resonates and makes a whole lot of sense. And, And we've speculated on the show before because we've heard so many of these horror stories. We've covered it probably from cover to cover. What happens to the houses, to the mortgage payments, to the families, to the dogs, to the car payments, to, to just everything when people are kind of like erased from society and, and, and thrown in jail without any charges being put against them? Or, or if they are, they're, they're minor ones and being held without the opportunity to bail and what essentially is a place where everybody gets out of jail when they commit crimes in Washington, D.C. Yeah, this is something that happens in, in awful countries around the world, not here. Yeah, and, and, and that's absolutely true. And then when you talk about some of those heavy hitters that you've consoled with and then, you know, work directly with Julie. Uh, Julie Kelly. Julie Kelly, Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> you've got Matt Gates, Representative Gosar and Green as well, amongst others. They're, they're, those are the people that have been at the absolute forefront of this, that they know a lot of this is political theater. But when they go out and say that and they work really hard on behalf of all those people, you know, the things they say on TV are, are extremely powerful. But at the end of the day, there's people whose lives are getting absolutely destroyed by it. And it seems like you've been on the front lines of making sure that these people are going to have 
it's sad to say, but the best experience and the worst experience typically yeah, possible. I know exactly. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. You know, we've had, you know, really good support. We've had great support from Steve Bannon. I've been on Steve's show quite a bit. He's been, you know, really um, outspoken and he's actually spoken to some of the guys. Um, he has spoken to my nephew. Um, we, we have support from Alex Brzezwick. He's donated to our foundation. He's JD awesome. Bantus donated to our foundation. Yes, he is. Um, and, but, but, you know, we, we have to keep going. We need more, we need, you know, more assistance and not many people are speaking out. Um, and, and the more platforms we can, you know, connect with and discuss all of this with the better we're going to be, the more that's going to help these families, these children. I mean, listen, Nobody wants to see a police officer assaulted, right? No, we don't want that. But don't we want to know why so many people felt the need to defend themselves against the police? Mm -hmm. I mean, why? Um, in addition to that, I think that there's a lot, you know, my nephew told me just today, there's so much, he literally said the government doesn't want the CCTV and the body cam footage released because they know that it will change the narrative overnight. Mm -hmm. And there is proof of that. And that's why all these cases are under seal. They don't want you to know the truth. We're going to trial next week. And if my nephew is convicted and he's not charged with anything violent, he's not charged with uh, you know assault or anything like that. He literally wore a suit and tie to go show his respect and regard and support for you know his commander in chief, as he puts it. Mm -hmm. um, 12 years in the army reserves, they threw him out. Yeah. Like it was yesterday's garbage. He's lost his job. He's lost his housing. He's lost everything. Yeah. You just can't really, you know, the, the saddest part about this whole narrative is not about the eventual justice that we hope a lot of these people who have been wrongly imprisoned and falsely imprisoned, abused, imprisoned, and what happened on January 6th, they'll eventually get there. It's just the, what happens in the, in the actual portions of their life when they were kind of taken away from society mm -hmm. and, and how that, is going to greatly affect them in the future. It's amazing that you've, you know, started this organization that you've collaborated with such a uh, diverse group of people. You know, you mentioned like people like JD Vance and, and others, Alex Brusewitz is just amazing. He was on the show and he'll, he'll be back on again soon. He, he, he was a really great uh, interview and he didn't just talk about his, his January 6th uh, experience. He talked about a lot of the political atmosphere and stuff like that. And then of course, Steve Bannon, it must've been really reassuring to your nephew, at least to hear someone that connected to the movement who not only is, uh, you know, helping promote and support you guys but physically has his back yeah it, it is it is because you know if so he's charged with um what you know what we call the 1512 the famous 1512 which is an obstruction charge and this charge came about um when the whole enron thing uh happened julie's written a lot about um you know the ridiculous charges they have come up with to hold these people accountable um but he's charged with, you know, basically misdemeanors, but the obstruction is a felony charge. I mean, it has the ability to wreck everybody's life. Right. So um, if he is found guilty next week or however long the trial is going to be, um, it, it's going to be because of thought crimes. It's not going to be because he went to the Capitol to protest. He didn't commit any kind of violent act or anything. Um, he's going to be convicted if he is convicted of of words words you know uh 
thoughts, books, you know, and ideology, because that's where we are in this country. You know, it's it's either the people that are the people that are coming for a, a Trump supporter or a person that was at the Capitol on J6, you're not allowed to 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 do those things in this, let's say, administration. Um, and it's very unfortunate because, you know, there's there's almost 900 people that are caught up in this yeah. as it is. <clears throat> there's over 80 people that are still behind bars and they're spread out around the country. And I want you to know it's not just men that are behind bars. It's women, too, mm-hmm. that yeah. are being held in pretrial detention. So there are parents separated from their children, men from their wives, wives from their husbands. And nobody's saying or doing anything about it. It's just it's so frustrating but I have to say this. Why aren't the people that are in a position to help this platform and this foundation that, you know, we've started stepping up where, you know, where are they, you know, like where is save America or, you know, other platforms like this, um, the RNC, there's people that are in, in a position to, to connect with me and contact me and talk to me about what I've done let me share the, the, you know, the lawyers with you and let's put more lawyers on, on these cases, but financially, you know, we can't do it. We can't ask these lawyers to work for free. Mm-mm. These cases are too, they're too involved. And we, you know, we need expert, you know, witnesses. We need very profound lawyers. We need lawyers that are going to, you know, fight. And in the words of Joe McBride, I don't know if you know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's one of the lawyers. You know, Joe, Joe says we need fire breathing dragons yep. on these cases. Yeah, it's people like Representative Gates there. He's definitely one of them that uh, is going to go out and speak on your behalf. It's, it's very interesting that you make that point, too, about some of the entities that are not involved. I do know from personal relationship we have with the organization, the top lawyer for Save America was dragged in by the January 6th committee, I believe, two weeks ago and questioned for six hours about a Braveheart meme that they posted <laughs> on the morning of January 6th. So, you know, there, there probably are some legalities in, in regarding, like, you know, the Trump campaign and where it's going to be going after the midterm elections and, and stuff like that. But we've heard President Trump stump about it at his Save America rallies, but it would be nice to see some more organizational influence and, and, and you know, apparatus support uh, in regards to what you got going on, which is what we're hoping to help you with our listenership here today. We know that you have, you know, your nephew's trials coming up next week, but I'm sure there's countless other ones that you guys are going to be working on moving forward in the near future. We do have a very interactive listenership and whether it's operational support or, or financial donations, we want to know whatever we can do to support your campaign. So why don't you tell everybody where they could find and, uh, and help out the project? So the name of our project is Patriot Freedom Project, uh, and you can reach us at patriotfreedomproject.com. You can find us on Truth. You can find us on Twitter um, for now. <laughs> you can find us on Telegram. You can find us on Gab, and you can find us on Getter. Um, you can email us at info at patriotfreedomproject.com. Um, we have a uh, application process for people that are looking for financial assistance, Um we have uh, we have weekly support group calls for J6 families and you know uh, J6ers that are released if if they're allowed to engage to get the counseling um, and you know what we really need besides obviously funding we need lawyers we need more lawyers to come forward to contact me and be willing to talk to me about these cases and take some cases on and not charge their normal, you know, hundred, $200,000 fee. We have one family 
Um, I, I don't want to say his name right now because I don't want to create any any strife out here. But when I connected with the family, the, the, they're just so heartbroken and heart sick. Mm. The charges against their loved one are very, very profound and could put this person in jail for a very long time. His lawyer charged $700,000. Who had who has that money laying around? Nobody. So the lawyers that we have involved, they have graciously agreed to lower their retainers and their hourly, you know, rates. Um, and we need more of that. We need civil attorneys as well. A lot of people are being sued by the Capitol Police. A lot of people are being named in the same lawsuit that Trump is on. And, you know, we would love to see, you know, 45, he does mention J6 and he he does, you know, touch the basics, you know, at his rallies, but he doesn't go all the way. And if he would just give a mention of Patriot Freedom Project and what we've done here, I think it could be a game changer for us. Yeah, I think you're right. And and hopefully moving forward, we'll see a little bit more of that influence and collaboration come your guys' way. She mentioned the uh, the body cam footage and stuff like that. I mean, I'm wondering what the likelihood of that stuff being unsealed is. Do you guys have any counsel that has mentioned anything about that? Like, what the likelihood of getting any of that released is? Um, no, because, you know, people, I, I no, I, I personally, I'm, I'm very careful about going down that road. Sure. But I will, I will tell you this, um, Joe McBride, um, you know, John Kiyanaga, Dennis Boyle, Jonathan Crisp, uh, you know, um, um, Steve Metcalf, there's so many lawyers that are involved who are filing very profound emotions. We got Brad Geyer on the case. Um, we got John McNew. We have so many great lawyers that are really on the case now um, who are filing really profound motions. Joe just filed a, you know, habeas motion mm-hmm. petition. Um, so, but, but when you're dealing with these judges can't, they can't seem to separate their politics from doing yeah. their job, in my opinion. The same thing with the public defenders. So we're stuck. Yeah, We are absolutely stuck. And we need the politicians on both sides of the aisle because they both know that what is going on with these people is wrong. The collateral damage of the women and the children is, is it's just enormous. And in the words of Darren Beatty, it's almost... You could compare it to a humanitarian crisis. Sure. Yeah. The great Darren Beatty, he always weighs in, and he's got very uh, accurate depictions of the matter that we're at right now. Yeah, I can only imagine the stuff that would slip out if that if that footage and all that stuff got released. I mean, because you know, like, your radio integrity, they're probably like, okay, they said we can let them in right now. Like, you know that shit's on there probably. No, you know, and, and, and this is one of the last great grifts that they have. Uh, regarding the midterm elections to hold any power over yeah, they're potential, hang on to it. Yeah, potential Republican nominees and uh, definitely against the Save America movement. Cynthia, we are going to be sure to live link your organization and social media is in the show description today. In addition to that, anytime you want to come on, you know, you've got a great friend in, in Erica Knight. She's a great friend of this show, too. She's like our pseudo manager. If you if there's <laughs> something you want to get out on, on and let our vast listenership hear about, listen, all you got to do is hit her up and you'll be on the next available show for uh, any time that you need it. I would love it. And, you know, I would love to come on, even if you wanted to have me next week, I could give you an update on Tim's trial, my nephew, um, and let you know where we're at. Um, I'm hoping to see Steve while I'm in town uh, in D.C. and, uh, you know, 
just uh, send your your positive vibes this way that and, we get an exoneration. And, and of course, our prayers. I'll be watching you on uh, War Room next week when you're down there. And like you said, if you'd like to come back next week, then we'll make sure we can uh, get that to happen. Yeah. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is the chairwoman of the Patriot Freedom Project. Big time helping out January 6th and, and pushing back on that whole false narrative. Cynthia Hughes, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. Take care great way to start the week i do say so myself excellent show team some great guests today it was nice sitting down with cynthia right there and unfortunately hearing about the hard stuff that she's going through right now but i know how strong and dedicated our listenership is and that they'll be joining in to help her out at some point in the near future um if you'd like to hear all the rest of the 134 other episodes of steak for breakfast you could find us across all downloadable Podcasting platforms. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Podaddict, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio. Obviously, you could find us on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Let's see who we had on. Great friend of the show, Vish Burra. Great friend of the show, Jaron Rajewski, who teased his next appearance on the show as a America First Roundtable with some other people who win their primaries. We love that one. Uh, we talked with Mike Crispy. Again, great friend of the show and new great friend of the show, Cynthia Hughes from the Patriot Freedom Project. In addition to that, we have some of our internet friends, Cagbro88, Mr. Garbaggio, the Patriotic Baby Counts, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappert, Editor-in-Chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cashola at our partners. The only thing that happens when you do that is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Bogo Extravaganza. Don't know? You're lying because Mike Lindell is on every cable news network and takes up all of the commercial time. You're buying one, you're getting one free. Giza Dream Sheets, Giza Elegance Pillows, six-piece My Towel Sets, and more. In addition to that, enter promo code STAKE at checkout for up to 66% off other MyPillow products. Sometimes you're getting free gifts. Sometimes you're getting free shipping. One thing that Mike Lindell can guarantee from the apparatus known as the MyPillow family you're going to get the best night's sleep you've ever owned. Qualified pillow representatives could be reached 1-800-658-8045 via the telephone or head down to the website, mypillow.com forward slash stake. The top tier of ear gear and all things related. Get your headphones needs taken care of. I love mine. Noah loves his. Odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram as well. Stay ready gear holsters. What are we putting on there this week? You know what? If you want to conceal carry kydex melted plastic holster with a uh, picture of baby formula on it <laughs> they'll do it for you nice stay is the website you can find them on facebook and instagram man rubs don't mistreat your meat because if you do that you won't be buying man rubs so just buy it so you can shake it sprinkle it rub it slow cook it barbecue sauce it hawaiian roll it waiting for Noah to take his finger off his phone, put it on the button, throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. Me tambors. Boom, there. We needed a fully this one. Yep. Uh, WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. Mike's got a pretty simple equation to take care of all your gun needs. Firearms, parts, accessory, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. Phone number is 619-870-6992. You can also find our great friend Mike on Facebook Messenger. Shall we segue? Segue. And we're there. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. They uh, love wearing gear for Mediocre Medic. I think they like their IG a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram. 
And last but certainly not least, Dumpbox, home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You find them at dumpbox.us. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Upcoming shows. Can't wait for some of these bangers. On Friday, we're coming back. Got it right this time. Miss Christina Bob of Save America, great friend of the show. She's going to be uh, joining us. And we're going to sit down for the first time. Reschedule from today. Filled it with Mike Crispy. Not bad. Ohio 7 Republican nominee. Trump endorsed Max Miller will be joining us as well. Next Tuesday, we'll be back with the boys, uh, Brent Hamachek and Chris Barron from Human Events, and we'll be talking to Nevada 2 candidate, Danny Tarkani. It's going to be a great episode. Next Friday, we're going to have a special edition of Steak for Breakfast. Uh, apparently, well, I just read the text message. It says, you can have them and have them for as long as you want. That means forever in my heart, but actually for the podcast, it'll probably be an hour. We're going to have Cash Patel back again. Nice. So he has requested... Uh, in addition to our friendship, another appearance on Steak for Breakfast, and we're going to make sure for our listenership we make that happen. We'll get an update on Durham. We're going to get an update on his new book coming out as well. It's going to be great. We'll be coming back on June 3rd. We're going to have two uh, prior guests, both Trump-endorsed and running America First campaigns. Former HUD Associate Director John Gibbs running in Michigan 3, and then Kelly Cooper, who's looking to represent Arizona 4, will be joining us. As of right now, I got Carrie Lake on the 10th of June, Monica De La Cruz on the 8th of July, and I think we're going to have Catalina Lauf at some point this week. We'll see what happens. Um, speaking of which, Friends of the Week. Let's see, who was good this week? Dank Elvis came out of nowhere yesterday and tagged me. We did a little collab. Midnight Mitch, Let's Go Brenda, Right Wing Savages, Not Far Out, Silent Meme Jordy, Snack Nicholson's got a new account, no Ooh. dot in between. Yeah. Uh, don't get booted again, or don't what? forget to check out the backup. It's uncharted territory. <laughs> Hugh White memes, of course, one of our greatest friends. The Duke of memes, Madam America, Baby Cakes 2.0, and I think that's it for the week. Um, things to remember between now and next show, we've talked about it extensively. Uh, we highly suggest you do it, and that's do your own research. Uh, number two, start a podcast, and if you do, you might work really hard and be number four on the ratings for iTunes, like we currently are sitting at. Uh, excellent work, team. It's taken a long time to crack the uh, close to top 50, and we're almost there. It's only going to take a little bit more editing, Noah. No? Yeah. But last and certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 135 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with great friend Christina Bob of Save America, Max Miller, and whoever else decides to jump on between now and then. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thank you, my friend. Antoinette? Bye, guys. So glad you're back. Thanks for listening, and take care. General Flynn, how would you describe who is General Flynn? An American patriot. That's it. That's all you need to know. He, and he's probably one of the best. And here's what everybody else doesn't know about him. General Flynn, like me, served Democrats and Republicans alike. It didn't matter. He wore the cloth of the nation because he's a hero. And that's it, all he is. And he was falsely portrayed to be a criminal. He's a true American hero. Okay. Oh, hey, hey, hey. All right. The Gong Show. Question number two. Who is Devin Nunes? Devin Nunes, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, he is the guy that you have the Russiagate hoax unraveled. He took it on head on. He is the only reason you have John Durham. He is the only reason you have accountability. He is why we send elected leaders to office. Question number three, who is the boss? Oh, the boss is Trump. I mean, who else? Come on. It's the MAGA king. All right, question number four, who is Dan Scavino Jr.? 
Dan Scavino, dear friend, has been working for President Trump for 20 plus years. His right hand man puts out all his social media, is an absolute genius. And if you ever come across his name, follow him on Truth Social. Question number five What is Truth Social to America? Freedom of speech. Question number six What is Rumble.com to America? It's the MAGA version of YouTube. Get off YouTube, get on Rumble. Question number seven, what is Epoch Times to America? Uh, it's where you find Cash Patel. Question number eight, what is Donald J. Trump's schedule like? Oh, my God, I can't even imagine. It's, it's like trying to break up 72 hours into one. You can't. I, that man doesn't sleep. He just Qu works. Question number nine, question number nine here. Will you speak at the next Reawaken America tour? Absolutely. Question number 10, we're going to New York. Will you speak at the next Reawaken America tour after the next Reawaken America tour? I'm going to speak at every Reawaken tour until you guys kick me out. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, let's hear for Cash Pa.